Members of Congress expressed optimism Sunday about the prospects for reaching a deal to avoid the fiscal cliff. A fragile ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is entering its third full day, and both Israelis and Palestinians... Bottom line, Senator, if uh, the president nominates Ambassador Rice to be the next Secretary of State or some other... Supplementary question. Do you personally believe that gay people are born gay? Impact segment tonight, the Talking Points memo... Hot damn politics. 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 I'm back now with the Brain Trust panel. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Brain Trust panel. These niggas won't hold me back. 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 The Brain Trust Panel. Brain Trust. 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 Brain
everything that we do. To reflect who we are and what we hope to build, I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now Oplechner. Our constitutional journey did not stop then and it must not stop now, Judge, and we'll be faced with equally consequential decisions in the 21st century. Can a microscopic tag be implanted in a person's body to track his every movement. There's actual discussion about that. You will rule on that. Mark my words before your tenure is over. Can brain scans be used to determine whether a person is inclined toward criminality or violent behavior? You will rule on that. Many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough. And nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. Andy Justin tested positive. Let's do a Q-test. Okay. Whoa. What is that? Who is this new device? I'm Q, and I'm here to protect the family. Hey, that's my job. I'm a smart home testing lab. I'm fast and super accurate. Please be negative. Don't worry, I got this. What? They're coming. We're really warming up to you, Q. Just wait till you see what else I can do. Sponsored by... This is really fascinating stuff. What you're looking at right now is a paralyzed man using his mind in order to create the words that appear on the screen. This revolutionary speech neuroprosthesis research at the University of California, San Francisco, is allowing the gentleman to communicate in complete sentences by translating signals from his brain to the vocal tract and directly onto text on the screen. It's one of several massive leaps in brain science technology that is literally creating a future of potentially infinite possibilities and also concerns about how this technology could be used or misused. Organic, intuitive, fluid. Neuromorphic computing is designed to work less like today's microprocessors and more like the human mind. Because brains are so different than transistor circuits, we have to rethink everything we know about computer architecture. Traditional microprocessors are synchronous meaning every function is governed by a clock. The clock says when instructions are executed and when functions happen. Everything works in unison, according to the clock. Our brains are different. They're asynchronous, meaning no internal clock. Neurons operate with no prescribed order. We just have thoughts, thoughts that build on each other or split off into different ideas. That's the way neuromorphic computing works too. It's completely asynchronous. So functions and instructions happen when they happen in parallel. 
which means neuromorphic systems think more like brains do. They can adapt, recognize nuances, and teach themselves as they work. It's an elegant, organic, and beautiful way to think. Meet Sally. Hello, what can I do for you today? The help you've always wanted. She is faster, stronger, more capable than ever before. Sally is part of your family, a teacher, a helper, a friend. New generation persona synthetics, closer to humans than ever before. The other book that I really enjoyed, uh, a book by an Israeli author, uh, Yuval Harari, called Sapiens. And uh, it, it's a sweeping history of the human race uh, from 40,000 feet. Uh, and part of what makes it so interesting and provocative is that uh, because it's such a condensed sweeping history, um, it talks about uh, some core things that uh, have allowed us to build this extraordinary civilization. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now, the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina, and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and I know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world. Right. We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. Data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. And if indeed, we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed in the basic rules of the game of life. All of life for four billion years dinosaurs, amoebas, tomatoes, humans, all of life was subject to the laws of natural selection and to the laws of organic biochemistry. But this is now about to change. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds 
the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life after being confined to, for four billion years to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. So after four billion years of organic life shaped by natural selection, we are entering the era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. So does the data about my DNA my brain, my body, my life, does it belong to me or to some corporation or to the government or perhaps to the human collective? Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election, or whether in the supermarket this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. Over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Samsung Electronics, a world leader in advanced semiconductor technology, Today share the new insight that takes the world a step closer to realizing neuromorphic chips that can better mimic the brain. Envisioned by the leading engineers and scholars from Samsung and Harvard University, the insight was published as a perspective paper titled Neuromorphic Electronics Based on Copying and Pasting the Brain by Nature Electronics. Poon Hee Ham, fellow of Samsung Advanced Institute of Technology and professor of Harvard University, Professor Hongden Park of Harvard University, Song Huang, President and CEO of Samsung SDS and former head of SAIT, and Kinam Kim, Vice Chairman and CEO of Samsung Electronics are the co-corresponding authors. The essence of the vision put forward by the authors is best summed up by the two words, copy and paste. The paper suggests a way to copy the brain's neuronal connection map using a breakthrough nanoelectrode array developed by Dr. Han and Dr. Park, and to paste this map onto a high-density three-dimensional network of solid-state memories, the technology for which Samsung has been a world leader. Through this copy-and-paste approach, the authors envision to create a memory chip that approximates the unique computing traits of the brain, low-power, facile learning, adaptation to environment, and even autonomy and cognition that have been beyond the reach of current technology. The brain is made up of a large number of neurons, and their wiring map is responsible for the brain's functions. Thus, the knowledge of the map is the key to reverse engineering the brain. While the original goal of neuromorphic engineering launched in the 1980s was to mimic such structure and function of the neural networks on a silicon chip, it proved difficult because, even until now, 
little is known of how the large number of neurons are wired together to create the brain's higher functions. Thus, the goal of neuromorphic engineering has been eased to designing a chip inspired by the brain rather than rigorously mimicking it. This paper suggests a way to return to the original neuromorphic goal of the brain reverse engineering. The nanoelectrode array can effectively enter a large number of neurons so it can record the electrical signals with high sensitivity. These massively parallel intracellular recordings inform the normal wiring map indicating where neurons connect with one another and how strong these connections are. Hence, from these telltale recordings, the normal wiring map can be extracted or copied. The copied normal map can then be pasted to a network of non-volatile memories, such as commercial flash memories that are used in our everyday life in solid-state drives, or new memories such as resistive random access memories, by programming each memory so that its conductance represents the strength of each normal connection in the copied map. The paper takes a step further and suggests a strategy to rapidly paste the neuronal wiring map onto a memory network. A network of specially engineered non-volatile memories can learn and express the neuronal connection map when directly driven by the intracellularly recorded signals. This is a scheme that directly downloads the brain's neuronal connection map onto the memory chip. Since the human brain has an estimated 100 billion or so neurons, and a thousand or so times more synaptic connections, the ultimate neuromorphic chip will require a hundred trillion or so memories. Integrating such vast number of memories on a single chip would be made possible by 3D integration of memories, the technology led by Samsung that opened up a new era for memory industry. Leveraging its leading experience in chip manufacturing, Samsung is planning to continue its research into neuromorphic engineering in order to extend Samsung's leadership in the field of next-generation AI semiconductors. The vision we present is highly ambitious, said Dr. Hum. But working towards such a heroic goal will push the boundaries of machine intelligence, neuroscience, and semiconductor technology. Hey, and welcome to Connect. Today, we're going to talk about the metaverse, starting with the most important experience of all, connecting with people. Imagine you put on your glasses or headset and you're instantly in your home space. There's parts of your physical home recreated virtually. It has things that are only possible virtually, and it has an incredibly inspiring view of whatever you find most beautiful. The lots of things that are physical today, like screens, will just be able to be holograms in the future. One part of this is Horizon Home, which is our early vision for a home space in the metaverse. Horizon Home is the first thing that you'll see when you put on your Quest headset. Today, there are already a bunch of options to choose from, and in the future, anyone will be able to create one. We've just called it 
home until now because it's been missing something very important, people. Soon, we're going to be introducing a social version of home where you can invite your friends to join you as avatars. You'll be able to hang out, watch videos together, and jump into apps together. Over the last year and a half, a lot of us who work in offices have gone remote. And while I miss seeing the people I work with, I think remote work is here to stay for a lot of people. So we're going to need better tools to work together. Let's take a look at what working in the metaverse will be like. Imagine if you could be at the office without the commute. You would still have that sense of presence, shared physical space, those chance interactions that make your day all accessible from anywhere. Now imagine that you have your perfect work setup and you can actually do more than you could in your regular work setup. And on top of all that, you can keep wearing your favorite sweatpants. Black Mirror is still one of the best sci-fi series of our time. Considering that we are moving by leaps and bounds into a world that cannot be imagined, I wonder which of its pilots have already become, or will soon become, reality. Watch the first part of the technology breakdown from Black Mirror. Here we go. One of the best and simultaneously creepy episodes of season four was Archangel, a technical thriller about parenting and parental paranoia. When a little girl disappears briefly into the playground, her mother decides to implant her with a chip that allows her to see and hear the same things as her daughter through a special app. It also gives the mother access to the girl's biometric data and allows real-time editing of images and sounds around the child that seem inappropriate to the mother. Brain implants are being developed by probably a dozen companies today, but the best known of these are Elon Musk's Neuralink and Synchron, which just recently received permission to test its technology on humans. The Stentrode chip, smaller than a matchstick, will allow paralyzed patients to control electronic devices by guiding cursors and activating other controls within their minds. A thin wire will connect the implant to another located in the chest and an integrated transmitter will broadcast the signal outside the body to a computer near the patient. Recently, Korean scientists announced the development of a brain implant that allows control of the brain via a smartphone. The tiny device made of biocompatible materials is equipped with an antenna to collect electromagnetic radiation, which is converted into electrical energy, allowing it to be charged wirelessly. The implant also has an energy-efficient Bluetooth chip and two micron-sized LED light sources on the thinnest probes. The LEDs are injected into a given area of the brain and flashed to make the right neurons respond to commands from the smartphone. It is assumed that the device will be able to block, for example, the development of neurodegenerative diseases. China has also unveiled its first wireless brain computer interface, which allows the transfer of data between chips and nerve cells. It is reported to be cheaper than its foreign counterparts, designed only for animals, and will hit the market as early as September this year. But it is not only possible to monitor humans with a neural interface. For example, Alphabet, the parent company of Google, is working on computers that can be worn like contact lenses. With them, it will surely be possible to see and hear the same things as the wearer, as well as to transmit augmented reality images into his field of vision. We also already have wearable devices that track vital signs and apps that allow us to track a child's location, listen to their surroundings, and see their smartphone screen. All that's left to do is combine it all into one gadget. A futuristic development of the idea of a neural interface was the Crocodile series in which the system can connect anyone to a machine to see their subjective memories of any moment from the past stored on the hard drive that is our brain. How feasible is this? 
Let us know down in the comments. The Pentagon is already working on memory recovery technology for people with neurodegenerative disease and brain injuries, but they're supposed to help people remember their memories, not broadcast them to a TV screen. A working prototype of the Black Mirror device is probably decades away, if it ever appears at all. However, there are several wearable devices today that allow us to record snippets of our own lives. For example, Snap Incorporated Glasses, which can record 10 seconds of video, or Samsung Contact Lenses, which can take a photo every time you blink. The technology giant patented them back in 2016, but since then, there has been no news about them. But in 2019, Samsung received a patent for augmented reality contact lenses. According to the idea of the inventors, the lens can contain a display, a camera, a capacitor as a power source, a motion sensor, control units, and communication with an external device. An external device, such as a smartphone, could include a program that interacts with the contact lenses. Theoretically, such a device could in the future both record information to an external source and censor what the user sees by changing the desired areas. However, the same Elon Musk and other developers and futurists believe that sooner or later we'll be able to download our consciousness into the computer, and then the machine will receive not only our memories, but also our way of thinking, and perhaps the will. Such a plot is realized in Season 5 of Black Mirror in the episode Rachel, Jack, and Ashley 2, where a robot doll with a loaded consciousness of a pop star exploited by her own aunt saves her human prototype by enlisting the support of other humans, except that the doll first wants to kill the singer who has fallen into a coma, claiming that this is a choice the pop star herself would have made. An even more frightening perspective on the use of loaded mind is shown in Episode 6 of Season 4, the Black Museum. One episode of the series shows the fate of a human consciousness trapped in the body of a teddy bear with a limited choice of voice commands. And in the second, the consciousness of an executed prisoner is preserved for the entertainment of tourists who may execute him again day after day. The prospects are terrifying, aren't they? But how realistic is such technology? As of today, scientists don't even have an exact answer as to what consciousness is and how it works. Can it be transferred to a computer? So far, such technologies are not even in the pipeline, but there are attempts to create a digital copy of a human being. In a heartbreaking episode of the second season of Be Right Back, a woman replaces her dead boyfriend with a synthetic counterpart using his online history, social media, photos, and videos. At first, she just chats with him online. They talk on the phone. And finally, the real version lives with her and helps her raise her daughter. But as always on the series, nothing good comes of it. However, this is the first technology that can almost be realized. Technology for creating humanoid robots has advanced quite a bit. Not only Hiroshi Ishiguro, but also Hanson Robotics and Promobot are creating them. On the other hand, Microsoft not so long ago patented a technology for creating digital copies of people, including the dead, using samples of their voice, photos, videos, and communication style in social networks. All the information goes into the system with elements of artificial intelligence and helps to copy his manner of communication. Microsoft already has programs that can communicate with people. For example, the chatbot Shawice, which imitates a 17-year-old girl. The bot can send emojis, express sympathy, and ask questions. The program also remembers the context of the conversation. Last year, a mother in South Korea was able to see her dead daughter again. Developers created a digital replica of the girl, which her mother was able to communicate with by wearing a VR helmet and tactile gloves. 
The engineers used real photos and videos of the girl, as well as a recording of her voice, to reproduce them in virtual reality. They also had help from a little actress who gave the VR model her movements. And the other day, NVIDIA replaced the CEO at its presentation with a digital replica and no one noticed. The copy appeared for only 14 seconds of the CEO's speech. NVIDIA said about it in its blog after the presentation, without revealing at what point the substitution took place. So, the company has demonstrated the potential of its platform Omniverse. To create a clone, specialists had to scan Jensen's body, as well as teach the neural network to copy his gestures and facial expressions. Bong himself voiced his 3D copy. So, in general, creating digital copies of people is not a problem. They can even imitate human communication, but unfortunately cannot possess his consciousness. However, even such a copy can be enough for identity theft by hackers. about the potential of AI. There are these objects in our homes, computers and mobile phones. We don't really understand them. We don't really understand how they work. And we don't know what they know about us. They seem to know quite a lot about us and we don't know much about them. My name is Alex Garland, and my background is writing, William. I, I see myself as a writer, but I was also uh, directing this film, uh, Ex Machina. It's about a young guy who wins a competition within his company, which is a, a big tech company. How long until we get to his estate? We've been flying over his estate for the past two hours. He wins a competition to spend a week with the CEO in the guy's mountain retreat. It's good to meet you, Nathan. Good to meet you too, Cal. When he arrives, he finds out that he's actually there to test Nathan's newest invention, which is a robot that may have artificial intelligence, that may be self-aware. He's there to, to give her a Turing test to find out if she indeed is conscious. It comes down to if a machine can convince you that it has consciousness, then it has consciousness. The CEO is kind of threatening and predatory, and we're not really invited to sympathize with him. But the film is ambiguous about whether he is actually like that or for the purposes of the test is, is pretending to be like that so that this young guy will cast himself as a kind of savior. Why me? You have to help me. I'm 44 and my life has broadly kept pace with the development of home computers and video games, really. When I was, I guess, around... 12, 13, something like that. I, I had a home computer. You could make the computer do very simple things. You'd say hello, and it would say hello back, and you'd say how are you, and it would say I'm fine, how are you? And so you'd have this strange sense where, where the computer would suddenly have this slightly electric quality of, of being sentient. Of course, it's not sentient. You knew it wasn't sentient because you coded it. Still, the feeling it gave you was kind of special. But then in my adult life, I got quite interested in the relationship between AI and consciousness, our consciousness. If Apple suddenly pulled back a curtain and said, look what we've done, and this robot, Ava, stepped out from the shadows, we'd be surprised, but we wouldn't be that surprised. 
we, we kind of expect it's going on. So in that respect, automatically it feels like it's 10 minutes in the future as opposed to 100 years in the future. We're all dreamers to a certain extent. The idea of what we're capable of is an incredible source of excitement and nervousness as well because I think the past has shown us that often we lose control over the things that we create. Hello. Hi. There is explicitly anxiety about AI. Stephen Hawkins recently made a very clear statement stating that. You could draw a parallel with nuclear power. There's reasons to be nervous about nuclear power too, but that doesn't necessarily mean you don't use it. It's not innately bad. Our conversations are one-sided. You ask circumspect questions and study my responses. If it's one thing that at least with all the characters of, you know, that I'm taking on is the fact that I can relate to them being human. And that I can do with this part. So in one way, I was just left with a blank sheet of, you know, I need to kind of figure out what this Ava is. So it happens that Alicia is trained as a ballerina, so she has a kind of supernatural control over her physicality. If I actually just move my arm, like, it's me, I can, I can move my arm, but if I do everything in a very precise way, it, 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 you know, it's something that any girl can do but it's the awareness of it that has just become a bit too much that makes people question it. What she does is she does the uncanny valley with her physical behavior, her actions and uh, motions. So there's nothing obviously robotic about the way she moves. In a way, what she does is perfect versions of what we do. Whereas I slouch on this chair and, and if I was to get up, I'd have to sort of, you know, displace my weight in a particular kind of way. She would rise off this chair with an elegance that I can't do. Now open your eyes. Are you attracted to me? I hope you are. The trick that happens in the film is that people don't spend enough time thinking about what's going on in her mind because they're, they're blinded and distracted by some of her uh, other characteristics. Did you program her to flirt with me? I programmed her to be heterosexual, just like you were programmed to be heterosexual. Nobody programmed me to be straight. You decided to be straight? Please, of course you were programmed, by nature or nurture or both. And to be honest, Caleb, you're starting to annoy me now because this is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. Nathan is quite misanthropic. I don't think he values humanity very much. He knows that sooner or later, one of these robots is going to escape and it's going to be the end of us. And why shouldn't it be? So there's a little bit of a, a suicidal aspect to what he's doing. And, I, and I, think, I think he's okay with that. I wanted him to be someone who you often thought you felt was being unreasonable in what he said and did. And sometimes if you listen carefully to what he's saying, it might not be a, a comfortable truth, but it may still be a truth. And conversely, the other character, Caleb, often sounds like he's being reasonable, but what he's saying may not stand up to really close inspection. Caleb, you're wrong. Wrong about what? Nathan, you shouldn't trust anything he says. There's a bunch of games being played in a narrative sense about who you trust, why you trust them, what they're really doing. Everybody's lying to everybody else.
Caleb, there's something I want to show you. Can we talk about the lies you've been spinning me? What lies? Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Did you know that Nathan brought me here to test you? It's very rare that you get to, to play a character in a film where the action scenes are dialogue scenes. Um, you know, the, the firework moments are these incredible situations where these people are torturing each other with their brains. Self-awareness. Manipulation, sexuality. Are you attracted to me? Now, if that isn't true, AI, what is? The film is definitely not supposed to be a cautionary tale about AIs. The caution is all aimed at the humans, from my point of view. My anxieties are about people, not machines. AIs might be more reasonable about some stuff than we are. We know what humans are able to do all the bad things that we've done with technology, but if we actually can make something that has a conscience, why can be one that is better than ours? The way she's shot, the music that plays, the film is definitely on the side of, of Ava, um, which is interesting. I was kind of infatuated with her, and I can see that when I watch the film. The love story for me is between me and the world. Good morning, darling. I hope you had a good sleep. Please hold still for retinal scans. Will you let her shower now, Darwin? Resident KR201 is asleep. Hi, Mom. I wish you were awake. I really need to talk to you. Characterification is offline and Paul is shutting down. You have no right to do this! Goodbye, Robin. <laughs> You talk? We have to be cautious. We have to stay out of sight. If you want to go and see your mother, no one's going to stop you. He's going to bring them here. They're going to come looking for him, and they're going to find us. No. Are you sure we're safe out here? Please leave us alone! Here it is, the greatest advance in television since color television itself. See all color shows in living color. Once you've adjusted, fine-tuning for each channel. So there we see that it means that you can subdue a people, you can control a people by secret influence. It goes on to say under charm, to subdue by secret power, especially by that which pleases and delights the mind. So under charm there, it says power to subdue opposition and gain the affections. But remember in the story of Wizard of Oz, how the wicked witch was having difficulty subduing her opponent. 
And finally she said, <laughs> I know what I shall do. I take this crystal ball. <laughs> she spreads her hands across the crystal ball and she creates a lovely coffee deal. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. And Dorothy, the lion, scarecrow, the tin man, going across this lovely coffee field, fall to what? Is it possible that I, that's not just story? Is it possible that the crystal ball sits in the living room of every home practically in America? The beginning of the actual development of televisions began in 1928 in the USA. This was the octagon made by General Electric and operated using a mechanical rotating disc technology to display images on the screen. The TV was very large, had a 3-inch screen, and was just a prototype. A year later, the Baird TV was made. The first TV sold commercially. It was made in England, and about 1,000 pieces were produced and sold for about 26 pounds, a fairly large amount at the time. The TV also used reflective light to create a tiny image. By the 1930s, mechanical television seemed to be outdated. So the electric TV was quite popular because it offered images with better resolution and was easier to produce. Thus, in 1936, the Emmy Visor model was produced, which used a mean camera, had an image tube with a diameter of 4 inches, and a magnifying lens that was used to increase the size of the screen. Another rather rare model is the Kosor 137T, which was shaped like a closet and could project black and white or color images. In 1938, the Marconi 707 was launched, a TV considered compact at the time. Weighing almost 100 kilograms, it had a 7-inch screen. The Marconi 702 was a luxury TV at the time, costing around 100 pounds. After the end of World War II, the television market boomed, with the United States buying about 100,000 televisions a week. Thus, a fairly popular TV was the 1946 RCA 630TS, which had a wooden case and a 7-inch screen. In 1948, the Motorola Golden View was the most popular 7-inch TV and was one of the cheapest TVs. It was available in both tabletop and portable cabinets. Also around the 1950s, black and white televisions were widespread in the world. So the development of color televisions began, which were much more expensive than black and white televisions. Also during this period were lost remote controls, which were very expensive. They each cost between $400 and $500. Televisions from the 1950s to the 1960s had screens between 7 and 14 inches, and color television transmission was already beginning to develop. They also began to be launched in other countries. For example, in Japan, Sharp launched their first TV. A rather atypical TV in design was the Philco, launched in 1958. It had a 17-inch pivoting screen so that viewers could adjust its position at different angles. Since the 1960s, televisions have already become a habit in people's homes. Television channels were being quite diverse. Another important moment in the story of televisions was in 1966, when Sony launched the very first transistorized television in the world. Thus, the TV-8-301 was also the first direct-view transistor TV and the first Japanese TV sold in the U.S. 
Beginning in the 1970s, manufacturers' attention shifted to both the design and the technical side. And the American television industry began to migrate to a transistor television chassis. The 1990s were the years with the greatest changes in the world of technology. Then came the internet and the first personal computers accessible to people. At the same time, the field of plasma and LCDs began to improve. Thus, TVs with larger, thinner screens and better and clearer images began to be produced. Also, in 1998, the first HD TVs from companies such as Panasonic and Sony appeared. After the 2000s, the TV industry began to grow more and more. So Samsung was one of the largest manufacturers of flat-screen TVs in the world. They launched in 2007 an LCD TV with a thickness of only 10 millimeters and a diagonal of 40 inches. And in 2008, they were the first to launch the first smart TV. Between 2010 and 2015, plasma production ceased, with only LCD TVs being manufactured. In 2010, the first USB ports appeared on TVs, and in 2012, Panasonic launched the first TV with a USB 3.0 port. Also during this period, more precisely in 2013, Panasonic launched the first 4K TV in the world, the Panasonic Smart Fiera WT600 model. In 2014, the launch of OLED TVs began. There is a revolution coming. Excuse me? What do you mean? The future is staring back at us like a perfect picture on glass. And this future, it must be protected. <laughs> What's it got to do with me? Look. What is that? It will change everything. That's why they want to stop it. They will come after you without cease. Because the future belongs to us. OLED. Perfect picture of glass. Who are you? Oh, come now. I've already told you. The future is staring back at you. LG OLED TV. And Samsung launched the world's first curved OLED TV. In 2016, Panasonic launched the world's first HDR-capable Ultra HD OLED TV, the Panasonic EZ1000. LG does not let itself be outdone, and in 2018 launched the world's first OLED TV with 8K resolution and 88-inch diagonal. In 2019, Samsung launched the Wall, a 146-inch modular TV with micro-LED technology. Technology similar to OLED technology in that it is self-illuminated without a backlight. The TV renders incredible image clarity without restrictions on size, resolution, or shape. Perhaps one of the most impressive innovations in the field of televisions is the model The Wall Luxury from Samsung. It is the largest TV in the world at 292 inches and is an expandable TV based on micro-LEDs. This model is also equipped with quantum HDR technology, reaching a maximum brightness of 2,000 nits and a refresh rate of 120 hertz. The year 2019 represents the beginning of the introduction of standard HDMI 2.1 ports on TVs. Users have the opportunity to use Ultra HD videos via HDMI at a frame rate of up to 120 per second. 
Also, TV services such as Google or Alexa have started to develop more and more. Another innovation in the field of home entertainment belongs to LG, which launched the world's first roll screen TV, LG Signature OLED R. The TV cost about $87,000, has a 65-inch OLED screen, and comes out of an aluminum bar through a simple push of a button. Also in 2020, Realme introduced a new technology in the field of televisions, SLED, an alternative to premium models with QLED technology. So they launched the first SLED TV in the world which revitalizes the old LCD formula, and the biggest innovation is the method of backlighting the panels. SLED has red, green, and blue LED-based backlighting, which means it renders a wider color spectrum and improves image quality. In 2021, LG will launch a new TV technology. This is the new LG QNED TV based on LCD technology but it comes with an extremely small LED screen with improved brightness and contrast 1 million to 1. Thus, the LG QNED TV comes with a refresh rate of 120 Hz, and its backlight incorporates almost 30,000 LEDs on an 86-inch screen with 8K resolution. LG also uses quantum dot and nanocell technologies to improve color accuracy. the price we pay to live in this pervasive electronic world. This era is unprecedented and perhaps never before has technology been so prolific and shaped our lives so intimately. The me has been a target of corporate power for a long time. Advertising after the Second World War changed into instilling desires and manipulating the masses to want things and see the world in a certain way. From where the computer and the internet originated, this is in hyperdrive of the world of the screen culture, where not only the convergence of technologies has amplified the power and influence of corporate voice, the screen culture provides a centralized mechanism of social control, pretending to be freedom and democracy. We tend to think about the internet as this sort of medium where anybody can connect to anyone. It's this very democratic medium. It's a free-for-all. Uh, and it's, it's so much better than that old society with the gatekeepers that were controlling the flows of information. Really, that's not how it's panning out. And what we're seeing is that a couple big companies are really, you know, most of the information is flowing through a couple big companies that are acting as the new gatekeepers. These algorithms do the same thing that the human editors do. They just do it much less visibly and with much less accountability. And with a level of fine tuning and individual customization never before possible. They have a lot of the same dynamics that are driving what they show people uh, and what they hide from people as the old media did. How these things are architected have huge consequences that are political.
The filter bubble puts you at the center of what seems like a vast world of connectivity and relevance. But really, you're in a walled information garden, a holding cell of two-way mirrors, a giant echo chamber. What happens to our communities, our relationships, the culture, if we're all walking around in mirror cocoons with this hyper-individualism, this lack of collective awareness? There's a thing called confirmation bias, which is basically our tendency to feel good about information that confirms what we already believe. And, it, you know, you can actually see this in the brain. People get a little dopamine hit when they're told that they're right, essentially. And so, it, you know, if you were able to construct an algorithm that uh, could show people whatever you wanted, and if the only purpose was actually to get people to click more and to view more pages, why would you ever show them something that, you know, makes them feel uncomfortable, makes them feel like they may not be right, makes them feel like uh, there's, there's more to the world than our own little narrow ideas? as we willingly pour our lives into the screen. The screens not only simply reflect this more of the same, it's strengthening corporate power, studying and analyzing us inside this playpen, projecting into our individually targeted mirror world. We become the product of the consumer culture in totality. There's a myth online that what we're doing is free. All that's happened is the place that revenue and value is extracted from us has been shifted. Everything we do on a computer produces a transaction record. Whether it's your laptop, whether it's your phone, whether it's an ATM machine, a toll booth, using your credit card, anything with a computer creates a transaction record. Right? Data is a byproduct of all of our information society socialization. Increasingly, companies, computers are mediating all of our social interactions. And all of this data is increasingly stored and increasingly searchable. And this is not only where social control centers from via a screen culture. It's where our value is ultimately extracted, turned into huge profits. And we think this is a good deal. We get so much for what we think is free. Think about your digital trails. What did you do today that involved a computer, a screen, your choice or not? The screens are always watching, saving. Example. When you browse the web, if a page has that like button, Facebook collects information about where you visit. Even if you're not on Facebook, the fact that you've been somewhere, Facebook knows because the like button is there. And even if you don't click, 
It's been loaded from Facebook servers. They know. And this information is used to shape your experience. The same is true for Google. The millions upon millions of websites that run Google Ads or use Google Analytics software or make use of any Google code, YouTube video, search buttons or images, if anything touches Google, Google knows. Think about all of those websites across the internet that these companies track, analyze, dominate and influence. How are our lives shaped by this? And how do we even know what's happening behind the scenes? We've become so sparing in our understanding of these technologies, these corporate interests, and how they wrap around our lives. What happens when I click this button? The product online is not the content. The product online is you. The product online are the eyeballs looking at that content and as much information about how to influence the hands connected to those eyeballs as possible. Cruel social media remarks. Facebook comments have been pouring in after four people died while hiking. You're dealing with an addictive generation. This is a big time bomb ticking. These kids who commit suicide, you go look at their Instagrams, you would have no clue. Mr. Zuckerberg, would you be comfortable sharing with us the name of the hotel you stayed in last night? Um, uh, no. People who spend more time on Facebook suffer higher rates of depression than people who spend less time on Facebook. It'll destroy relationships. It'll cost time, and it'll cost money, and it'll make your life worse. To be human means that you are persuadable in every single moment. It, it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It's not about what someone knows. It's about how your mind actually works. You know, we now know that many of the major social media companies hire individuals called attention engineers who borrow principles from Las Vegas casino gambling, among other places, to try to make these products as addictive as possible. We are all vulnerable to social approval. We really care what other people think of us. When you upload a new photo of yourself on Facebook, that's a moment where our mind is very vulnerable to knowing what other people think of my new profile photo. And so when we get new likes on our profile photo, Facebook knowing this could actually message me and say, oh, you have new likes on your profile photo. It knows that we'll be vulnerable to that moment because we all really care about when we're tagged in a photo or when we have a new profile photo. I mean, I think we can all feel it. And it's as if we've been infected. It's as if we've, you know, they've drilled a hole in the back of our head and now they've injected the virus and now we walk around searching for feedback using social media. We know that engagement with social media and our cell phones releases a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine is the exact same chemical that makes us feel good when we smoke, when we drink, and when we gamble. In other words, it's highly, highly addictive. You have an entire generation that has access to an addictive, numbing chemical called dopamine through social media and cell phones as they're going through the high stress. They don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with stress. So when significant stress starts to show up in their lives, they're not turning to a person, they're turning to social media, they're turning to these things which offer temporary relief. We know, the science is clear, we know that people who spend more time on Facebook suffer higher rates of depression than people who spend less time on Facebook. That's a problem, that's an addiction. If you're sitting in a meeting 
with people you're supposed to be listening to and speaking, and you put your phone on the table, you're not just you're just not that important to me. Right? So you have a, a, an addicted generation that doesn't have the, the skill set to ask for help. Combined with the fact that they're so good at Facebook and Instagram, they're good at putting filters on everything. They're good at showing you how smart and strong they are. These kids who commit suicide, you go look at their Instagrams, you would have no clue that they were depressed. People look like they have a much better life than they really do. People are posting pictures of when they're really happy. They're modifying those pictures to be better looking. People basically seem they're way better looking than they basically really are. And they're way happier seeming than they really are. So if you look at everyone on Instagram, you might think, all these happy, beautiful people. And I'm not that good looking and I'm not happy. So I'm a suck. Some of the happiest seeming people, actually some of the saddest people in reality. Social media isn't real, but you don't ever see real life. The 99% of our lives, the behind the scenes, the unglamorous, unfiltered, day-to-day, bland normality. And you end up comparing your behind the scenes to other people's fake highlight reel and using others as a mirror or benchmark for how you should look, how successful you should be, or how you should live. You'll become your happiest self when you stop putting pressure on yourself to be more like someone else and they know that this causes depression. They're injecting things into your head that you didn't ask for. Our lives are becoming more transparent, just inevitably, it's just pulling us. It'll destroy relationships, it'll cost time, and it'll cost money, and it'll make your life worse. If you've messaged anybody this week, would you share with us the names of the people you've messaged? No. my pretties, the society of the spectacle. Captive populations glued to screens, engineered with ever-increasing precision and insight. The basic fundamental paradigm of advertising is called one-to-one marketing. That's what was made possible by the internet. I can know everything you do, and I can reach you at any point. First, in the 90s, it was when you were in front of a computer. But now, because of the growth of the, of the Internet, especially mobile devices, I can reach you 24-7. I can reach you and your friends, and I can target you, and I can engage in visible digital behavior modification.
What sort of ministry of truth style world actually exists and would be perpetuated because of these huge, powerful engines and extensive influence over the information streams accessed by billions of people? Today in the United States, more than 85% of adults get their news from social media and 64% get news from only one source, usually Facebook. And so the behaviour modification doesn't just end with advertising, buying stuff, and how we'd be shaped into accepting a single news feed. The mega machine is much bigger than that. Corporate forces make huge profits, not only off the data about who we are and what we do, and by shaping us to be subservient consumers, and the cycle goes round and round. So the phrase that's often used, I've got nothing to hide, so I've got nothing to fear, is something that's often said by people. To that I always say, uh, you've got nothing to fear, nothing to hide until somebody identifies that you have otherwise. Excuse me. What's up? What are we doing here? Oh, I'm taking a video. I'd appreciate it if you'd go somewhere else with that, okay? Oh, it's fine. It's just a video. It's offensive to me. Excuse me. I'm trying to have a private conversation. Could you respect that? There's a great deal of information about humans uh, that you don't want to have widely available, that you want to provide particular protections for. It's the video, man. I hear you. Okay. I'm having a private conversation. Would you please move? Uh, we hear this nonsense about um, the only people who are concerned about privacy are people with something to hide. Well, yes. Um, how about your password? How about your PIN? Um, how about various aspects of your physical person? Uh, how about uh, various aspects of your health? Um, various aspects of your finances? The fact that you've got a really, really valuable painting uh, in a house that's really easy to break into and that doesn't have a security system? Uh, how about the uh, way your kids go to, to and from school? Um, what your daughter drinks and uh, which drink to spike. Um, there's any number of things that people have to hide. I do you not understand what I'm saying? It's a private conversation. All right, calm down. Leave. Calm down. Leave. Just a video. Jeez. I should just stay outside their home and start capturing their every move as they interact in their front lawn, their back lawn, anywhere I can see from the front of their yard. And then what I should do is get in my car, put a GPS device on theirs covertly, and follow them down the street. And then I should get out at work and say, hi, it's me again. I'm wearing the camera. I'm recording you. And then I should follow them home and, and then see how they feel the next day when I do the same thing. And the day after that and the day after that, and I think they'll get really sick of me really quick. I'm just taking a video. Why are you taking a video without asking us? What? Should you ask us first before you take a video? Oh, you seem confused. Yeah, you're not. We have this room and you just like barge in. Oh. Can you leave? Dude, what's your problem? Can you just leave? Huh? Can you ask us why you're taking a video? Just taking a video. Okay, well, I don't want to be taking a video. Why are you so worried about it? I'm not worried. You're just being annoying. 
Look at this way. You ever go out? You ever go to the grocery store? You know, there's like surveillance cameras everywhere. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Okay. Well, it's just a video. No, you're just being annoying. Can I ask who you are? What? What are you doing? I'm taking a video. Of what? A video. Why are you taking a video? Why not? I don't really care for other people just keep taking random videos. Then you just come out of the drugstore? Yeah. They have cameras in there. So? does. It follows us everywhere, tracking, recording, analyzing, scrutinizing, unanswerable. So why aren't we pissed off about this in the same way? Is it because the surveillance is diffuse, coming at us at all directions? It's not a guy with a camera right in front of our eyes. Why is that going to be simple? It's something that's been normalized in slow incremental stages. A kind of creeping normalcy hidden in plain sight. Most people who go about their everyday life are oblivious to CCTV cameras. Even mobile CCTV now on, on police products. And what that's called is a novelty effect wears off. So if something is new, I look up and I think, oh, it's new, it's invaded my space. That's like when telegraphs were introduced and people saw terrestrial lines that carried voice calls. Wow, what are these things, you know? We see windmills today and we think, oh, wow, windmill. Or we see other infrastructure and we think, oh, aren't those base stations at the top of the building looking ugly? So we do notice these things initially, but we become oblivious to them over time. I don't notice base stations anymore, and I used to work very closely with where base stations went. For mobile phones. For mobile phones. The novelty effect wears off, and with that wearing off, we become immune and we forget to question what is going on. There's these transhumanists who 
believe that someday humans will be incorporated into the machine and machines and humans will, will, will sort of be one. And really what I have to say to them, apart from the fact that they're completely crazy, is that they're way too late and it's already happened. We're already embedded in these machines and we are enthralled to these machines. Think about it. Do you touch plastic or human flesh more often? You know, or, or think about it. How many machines do you have daily relationships with? And on the other hand, how many wild animals do you have daily relationships with? And if you have daily relationships with your machines, you can come to believe that those machines are more important than the real world. This is what matters. The experience of a product. Will it make life better? See that? Nice. On the people connect face to face on the All my students have the brand new surface. More that. Technology can fit into our lives until every idea we touch enhances each life it touches. If you only hear things that come from humans or their creations, you can come to believe that humans and their creations are the only ones who exist. And this leads to the same thing that happens to other people who are living in echo chambers which is if you're in an echo chamber, if you're under sensory deprivation conditions, you start to hallucinate. Most of our ideologies are hallucinations. Increasingly, the techno-haves are very, very distinct from the techno-have-nots, where some people are on a dollar a day with no access to drinking water, and there's other people with Game Boy thumbs and Prozac and Botox and so on. Uh, and it struck me that this world leaving aside humanitarian issues was economically and ecologically not viable. You can't have a device like that. The mythology of technological change really is that it's beyond our control. That technology is like one of the great forces of the universe that in, in, it will progress inevitably and that all we can do is um, is jump on or jump out the way, you know, that, that there is no stopping technology. Um, and that, that is a myth which is propagated to make us feel powerless that we have any say in the way that technology is used because technology is an expression of the elites of the society that create it. And spreading this myth that there's nothing we can do about it then in fact, once we see that for the myth that it is, then we are more able to say... Resistance is not futile. WGHE Radio presents Hot Damn Politics. O queen of the two lands, Nefertiti, Egypt cries out for your help. 
The menacing Hyksos have invaded the minds of your people and have set up their own capital at BTR. For BTR, they have disrupted many of our communication routes. We must stop their conquest before it is too late. Here at WGAG Radio, we are safe from immediate attack. Although the Hyksos have the gall to demand tribute, we may need to supply troops and arms to our compatriots to the north to help repel the Hyksos incursion. They will look to you, almighty Nefertiti, for support. But now, we too have a new weapon. Our wise military leaders have become proficient in the use of the dreaded sounds of Nuwapu, and we shall turn it back upon our enemies and drive them before us. If only our trouble was limited to the north. Reports from our southern border show that the black devils are once again taking advantage and distracting the minds of your people, and if the Nuwapians are to emerge intact from these turbulent times, much will be required of you. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to break the spell of ignorance with Nuwapu. As always, if you are a member of the Brain Trust's caught or killed, WGAG will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape is self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Nefertiti.
Please welcome the Brain Trust. The Brain Trust. Brain trust, the brain trust. Brain trust, the brain trust.
All right, all right, we in the building, y'all. What's happening? We in the building tonight for some hot damn politics, man. I hope y'all feeling good. We about to get it in tonight. We got a lot to discuss, man. We got a lot to go over. The world of politics and planning and manipulation is always on 100 these days. It's always been there, but now it looks like all this shit is going at warp speed. You know what I'm saying? Why they got people worried about the next fucking iPhone that's about to drop the new Quest 2 Oculus glasses that are about to drop. <laughs> they got a whole bunch of shit going on. We're going to talk about it tonight and then some on hot damn politics. I hope everybody's feeling good tonight. You heard that first hour and 15 minutes, man. That was some more on the transhumanism shit. I'm on that transhumanism tip. Just seeing how they get ready to... Uh, Get all these folks ready for their transition, ready for their transition into a, a life of true servitude. <laughs> That's how I see it. It's like it's coming. Um, been watching Upload. Um, I watched last season. I think last season was two years ago. Matter of fact, I think um, the first Upload came right before this whole little COVID shit popped off. So I've been watching the second season of uh Upload. If y'all haven't checked out Upload, definitely check it out. It's about, you know, the transfer of consciousness into um, virtual realities after you so-called pass. But I like to see shows like that for the technology because the technology in those shows are they're already they're already here and working. It just ain't been passed down to the populace. It ain't been passed down to the populace just yet. But it's been here. They've been having it on hold. They've been using it all over the world, military, all that shit. So it's just they have to un- unravel or unroll these things. They have to do a rollout. They just can't give it to you, man. They just can't give it to you and stuff like that. So, But I want to say what's up to everybody that's in the building tonight. I hope you all feeling good, feeling great, doing great things, whatever those things might be. Prosperous in, in life, prosperous in health, prosperous in, prosperous in thought, prosperous in spirituality, and prosperous in wealth as well. So we're going to get it going. So let me start to the bottom all the way up to the top. Young T is in the building. What's happening with you? We got J1 is in the building. Sweet Oshun, my man's son, Rod Ricks, is in the building. What's up, Raymond? Raymond is in the building tonight. Sister Zena is in the building. What's up, Zena? Nubi Rafi Nine. Zamul. What's up? Rahubat Zamul. Mush Mouse is in the building. Miss Hudson is in the building tonight. What's happening with you, Miss Hudson? We got IB that I am. You know who he is. Ethereum forever. What's happening? Who else is that? Who else is in the building? I gotta make sure I don't check my emails. Um, she dot dot mechanic Brian O'Ryan. My birthday twin is in the building. What's up, she dot Brian Baruji L is in the building. What's up, Baruji? And of course, man, she at the top because it got an A. I risk a gal 2020. She wakes the dead to consume the living. What's happening with your risk a gal is in the building, man? Ooh. What's happening, what's happening, man? I hope everybody's doing good, doing great. You know what I'm saying? Staying on their path, doing their damn thing. I know I am. Enjoying life. <laughs> and all that it brings, shit, because there's a lot going on. No, but reason though, I'm, man, I've been off 
Look, I made a conscious decision to really limit, limit my my uh, social interaction, especially on, on this motherfucking computer, because when we on the, I was just, I did a tally. Let me put it to you like this. I did a tally for the last month, because first to start, this is how this exercise started. Check it out. Because, you know, when you are the sole operator, when you are the sole operator of your business, right, I got two workers, though, I must say. The former um, owner of this company is, is a worker of mine. <laughs> he, she's getting paid to, to stay, though, so they like he uh, working for free, even though he got cashed out a lot of money for me to buy this company nonetheless. My point is I did uh, a track of what I do throughout the day. I had to – I did this because I wanted to see how I use my time, how efficient I am, how much time I waste because – Time is, even though time is not real, you st- we still operate within time. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, at least I do. I can't speak for everybody else. I speak for myself. But you know what I'm saying? So I operate within a time. So I make sure, so I started to track everything that I do, how much time it takes. And so I really started to peep how much time I wait, how much time throughout the day I waste. You know what I'm saying, newbie? I really had to start looking at that, and I said, "Damn, I waste a lot of motherfucking time that could be done, be be used to be really, really productive, and shorten my my days and what I do." You know what I'm saying? And so I so I had to start blocking cutting out blocks of time for each task that I do that will force me to be very efficient. And I was just like, damn, they they got a lot of motherfucking people like who get lost within time inside electronics. You know what I'm saying? So I said, you know what I you know what I did, Oshun? I, I turned off all I turned off all my notifications. I turned my notifications off. I got you know, I have two phones, right? Two cells, one for personal and one for business. But I make sure that I turn off all my notifications on my personal phone, right? Because I think about it, I say, ain't nobody, don't nobody need to be disturbing me anyway. Ain't nobody worth really talking to, to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? So I said, whether it's my sisters and them, if anything is an emergency, they know how to reach me. I'm with my children all the time anyway, so they don't, I don't have no need to have my shit on. So I turned off all my notifications. I do, I, when I'm working, when I'm trying to knock out tasks, I cut off notifications even on my business phone, right? That's so only leave it for my ringer, for my phone to ring, all that emails and shit. I said, fuck Facebook, right? I'm on Facebook very frequently, infrequently these days. I said, Facebook don't do shit for me, in all honesty. I don't even advertise on that platform. I rarely go on Instagram these days because the people, just for like, if it ain't about me making money, I, I ain't fucking with it for the most part. You know what I'm saying? I go and I go on some, certain social media just to see how people doing, see how, you know, when I really want to keep up with my sisters and shit, I go look on their Instagram and see if them bitches is posted. That's how I know they are right, because I really don't want to talk to them because they don't have conversation that I'm really interested in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I said, um, I'll check on their social medias, make sure they're posted and shit like that. Um, you know, and just 
I'm like, that shit, I found that I just saw how much time it saps from me. You go to look at some shit, and I'm like, before I know it, I'm I'm been scrolling for like an hour. Just like that, an hour is gone. And if you do that several times a day, I just know that I'm like five, about five, six hours can be eaten up throughout the motherfucking day, you know? So I was like, I ain't fucking with this. I'm like, I ain't fucking with this shit. I'm like, if this shit ain't making me no dough, I don't need to be on that bitch. No, I advertise. I, I spend most of my time on on LinkedIn. To be honest, because that's where that's where the money at for my business. The motherfuckers on LinkedIn. You know what I'm saying? So I go over there to um, produce content and shit like that. But I was just like, man. And then I was just like, people are so gone, so motherfucking gone inside of their electronics, man. Like that's all. So, huh? Okay, did bridge your cup? Hold on one second, y'all. I'm gonna get back to it. I'm gonna take a small, small break, real, real, real quick. Play this little commercial real quick, and then we'll jump off right back into the show. Listen to this old school commercial right here. Don Nicoleon Show with the Ghost Brothers. What's happening? I'm Juwan Mann. I'm Dayla Sprague. And I'm Marcus Harvey. And we're the Ghost, Ghost Brothers. Brothers. Bro. Tune in to Destination America, man, April 15th at 10 p.m. It's every Friday, 10 p.m., 9 Central. Don Nicoleon Show with the Ghost Brothers. What's happening? I'm Juwan Mann. I'm Dayla Sprague. And I'm Marcus Harvey. And we're the Ghost, Ghost Brothers. Brothers. Bro. Tune in to Destination America, man, April 15th at 10 p.m. It's every Friday, 10 p.m., 9 Central. Ghost Brothers. There's a new team of paranormal investigators here to answer two questions about ghost hunting. Are ghosts for real? And why is everybody white? This what, what we're playing, man. Oh. oh my god. Well, if you are here. Alright, alright. And I do I do what I started noticing, man. I'm like, I got for one, I got too many niggas. I got too many men on my fucking Facebook. That shit is depressed. It's whack as fuck, man. I was just like, all they do is complain about women. That's all. I got too many noobin fucking <laughs> men on my fucking Facebook. All they do is talk, is complain about bitches. I said, man, I need to get out. I said, I, I said, I, I'm, uh, I said, uh, I'm like semi-retired from that. That shit. So I applaud people who never even got into any of this social media shit. I applaud you. I applaud you. I applaud you. I only got into it um, to be. I remember the first day I even set an account. It was in 2011. I only got into it because I got into radio because I came to WGAG Radio. Before WGAG Radio, I had no social accounts. No social accounts at all. I wasn't on Black Planet. I wasn't on MySpace. I wasn't on none of that shit. (laughs) I wasn't on none of that shit. But before I got into radio, but I just use it for what what it's worth. I use it for what it's worth, you know. You know what I'm saying, and it is. Um, I mean, it's a money maker. You know what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I had never heard of uh, Black Planet until probably around 2013. I never, I've never heard, I had never heard of it, you know. And what, and what the hell it was, but clearly it was a spot. But let's get into these politics though, because it's so much, um, so much happening. You know, they just finished the um, World Economic Forum, um, 2022 out there in Davos. I ain't broke it down yet. Um, I guess maybe next show we'll, we'll tap into what they was talking about. I do have one thing. I got one one thing um, that was said by the head of Pfizer during the World Economic Forum that kind of caught my attention. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. But let me say this. Y'all see these people activated out here? You you see these Manchurian candidates out here, though, shooting shit up? Every last one of them, I don't care what nobody say. These motherfuckers, these are people who have been um, exposed with this shit, and they turned up the frequencies out here, okay? They, and, and these people are going off. I don't know if y'all remember. Do you remember the scientist Judy Michaelvitz? Okay. You remember um, Judy Michaelvitz who um, worked with Fauci on not only AIDS but other, um, what was that shit, viruses and stuff? She was a researcher. She was a scientific researcher, one that they locked up. They tried to say um, she um, stole some some sensitive materials. But what she was doing was sounding the alarm. She was essentially a whistleblower to what was happening out here. And they arrested her without charging her, right? And so she, so she had a gag order on her for many years. She couldn't speak about what, what she saw and what was happening. But they lifted that stuff right before um, this whole thing broke out. She was one of the early people speaking out against it and talking about the side effects, what could happen, what would happen to people. But I don't know if y'all recall one small incident, one small thing she said that is stuck with me. But tell me if y'all remember when she talked about inflammation on the brain. Remember she talked about there would be large, a lot of inflammation on the brain. Well, this whole little virus thing creates large amounts of inflammation anyway. And if anybody knows, you know, we talk about the body and what inflammation does, how it affects you, how it breaks down. So everything from rheumatoid arthritis to all kinds of shit that inflammation can wreak havoc on the body. But she specifically said the brain and what it would do to the front, the front lobe of the brain. She said people will become erratically violent. I don't know if y'all remember that. She said people were going to have violent outbursts because of the inflammation on the brain as a result of taking this fucking shot of take and volunteering themselves for the jab. Now my, my folks, Dr. Sean said that people will be getting sick and continuously falling off. We starting to see that too. Whole bunch of people just falling out, but it's the violence. People are erratically and sporadically going off, stabbings, beatings, the shootings, fuck all that. I understand how fast media travels. 
So you ain't going to convince me that we're seeing an uptick in violence because they're reporting it on it more. Bullshit. These people are activated. People, okay, for one, I'm going to put it like this. Nubans ain't known for shooting up a whole bunch of shit randomly outside of people they got beef with. Niggas they got funk with. We always known that shit has been happening, right? That's that's how niggas get down, right? When they funk, then they'll go they'll shoot shit up then. But these weird ass random acts of niggas pulling out guns, um hopping out of uh U Haul trucks, shooting up shit in Houston at a club, um, Tennessee, a shooting of thirteen people, um, what's another one? I can run off all type. Let me run. Let me run this shit off, y'all. Let me run. The, let me run. This is how retarded this shit is. Ain't, ain't nobody convinced me. Otherwise, these people ain't motherfucking activated. They are turned the fuck up. All right. Um. Let me go. Because I've been making a point to save these articles for all the shootings since this last incident. Just since this shit that that whatever you want to call it, fake, not fake, whatever the fuck, but that scenario, that situation that happened out there um, in Texas, there have been 14, I repeat, 14 quote-unquote mass shootings since that shit happened a week or two ago. 14 random acts of violence, and a high number of them committed by black, black folks, supposedly. I'm saying that these people are activated, man. It's Asians out here in the Bay Area that's flipping the fuck out. I don't know about where y'all at. Out here, Asians are some of the most quietest, mind their own fucking business, docile group that I've been around and that I've witnessed for the most part. Now, they'll beat each other ass, especially the men. They'll, they'll slap the shit out their wife. They'll, they'll drag her ass down the street. But they don't fuck with other people. Four incidences out here where Asians are just going off on Mexicans, black folks, tripping the fuck out. Just these outbursts in, in, in crowds, yelling, screaming. I'm trying to tell y'all something. I'm trying to tell you, man. These motherfuckers are on. The chips are flared the fuck up. Their, their brains are flared. You will see a lot of people, neurons frying the fuck up out here. There's so many things going on. Mm-hmm. Okay? These motherfuckers going to be frying their fucking circuits on a thousand out here. On a fucking thousand. Let me give you this. Right. Okay. Um, all right. Mm. All right. We had in Sacramento a little boy. Now remember, now they gave that they gave shots to little children because they had to give them shots out to them children to go back to school. Okay. So don't remember that these little motherfuckers is, is activated too. How many young children? How fucking um been arrested now for, for carrying guns. I know they out, out here they have. Sacramento. Here we go. 
Here's the first one. I'm about to run them off for you. A gun, a, a gun and loaded magazine was found in a second grade year old student in, in the desk of his um, 12. Uh, a gun and loaded magazine was found in a second grade student's desk in a Sacramento school after students were alerted that alerted the staff that their classmate had carried in the gun in his backpack. What grade? How old are you in the second grade? Second grade, you eight. Ain't you eight? Yeah, you eight years old. In the, you're like eight or nine years old in second grade, right? Something like that. Seven through nine, whatever. How? What the fuck are they doing carrying an extended clip and, and with a, a gun with a loaded magazine? A boy at Berkeley High School was just arrested for recruiting, for telling his friends, we're about to go shoot up the high school. These motherfuckers have been activated on some Manchurian shit. Okay? I'm trying to tell you. They've been activated on some Manchurian shit. Off-duty police officer shot and killed in Oakland. Student arrested with an AK-47 at a Texas high school several days after the Valdez shooting. He just went wild, somebody said. He just went wild. Okay? Nearly two weeks after a mass shooting at the Texas elementary school, Staff members at the Tennessee school subdued an intruder who tried to force his way onto campus. During a kindergarten recess at Ingle Elementary School, staff members said a man jumped the fucking playground fence. The man identified as Ornico Gray was confronted by kindergarten school teachers while he pushed his way through. The front, he said he pushed his way through the front door. Teachers blocked the front door. These motherfuckers are activated, y'all. Several teachers, male teachers, rushed to subdue Davis, or whatever his name is, uh, uh, Gray. I just heard Mrs. Davis say he's trying to get into the building. He's trying to get into the building. So immediately I'm like, we're not letting him get into that building. These motherfuckers are on full activation mode. Let me give you another one. I told you about the shit in Sacramento. One dead, seven injured in, in a festival in Oklahoma. One person was killed and seven injured as gunshots rang out at a memorial festival in Oklahoma. Well, 1,500 people have been in attendance for a Taft, Oklahoma. One of the injured was a nine-year-old. The deceased is a 39-year-old black female. The other seven range in ages from nine to 56. The suspect was a 26-year-old Skylar Buckner, who turned himself in at Muskegee County Sheriff's Office. 
and give you some more. You get my point, though, right? Then you had the motherfucker who stabbed the hospital workers in Encino, California. Four people were stabbed in Encino, California, in Los Angeles on a Friday afternoon. The victim included two nurses and a doctor. Those three are said to be in critical condition. Okay. The attack began around 3.50, took place in the vicinity of the hospital's emergency room. LAPD said the suspect had a lengthy crime record, including two arrests last year for resisting arrest. Brian said, who is the whistleblower lady? Oh, that's um, Julie Judy Mikovits. Julie M- Mikovits. Mikovits. So I don't know how you say that shit. Then we had another motherfucker jump out. Or they, like I said, jump out of a U-Haul truck, the back of a U-Haul truck, and shoot up a fucking Houston nightclub. Who the fuck hops out of a U-Haul truck? Three killed, 14 injured in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Them hit by fleeing cars as well. You get my point. These motherfuckers, <laughs> these motherfuckers is gone. They, they are, and it, and it, it really is. I, I, I do think that they really want to. Um, they really is trying to get the guns as much as they can. You gotta remember what the Second Amendment really says, y'all. How many people really have read the Second Amendment? I don't know her name. Um, um. I don't know how to spell her name, Brian. Just look up Julie Mikovits, you know, like fucking, um, look up, you know, the woman who worked with Dr. Fauci. You'll find it. She's well known. Let's, let's read the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. I repeat, Second Amendment reads as such. A well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed upon. Okay? The right of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed upon. Okay? Because it is called it what it is. You get enough people to commit all these heinous acts, the people will bow. If people are become frightened to go outside of their homes, walk down the street, go to the fucking grocery store, all this shit, I'm telling they can convince enough of these fools to say, do something. And they're screaming it now. They're screaming it now. Well-regulated militias, because when they get ready to flip this shit, who are going to be the ones who resist? It will be the militias. It's going to be the militias that resist, and any other common folk that join join in the resistance. I'm so serious. I'm trying to tell you something. I ain't trying to scare nobody. I'm just saying. These motherfuckers are going to try to flip this society upside down. 
Why the fuck you think this shit is sky high? Nigga, gas in, in Southern California is damn near $10. I told you it was going to hit $10 by the summertime. It's already at some gas stations in Southern California. It's already at eight fifty. I've seen some at $9. Okay? Understand that they're tra- transitioning the fucking, the whole world. But in, in, like I keep saying, and I'm going to keep repeating that shit to y'all understand, that they have to make Americans in this country has to buckle to what the rest of the world and all these fucking leaders, all these motherfuckers want to do and how they want to transform society in the global situation as a fucking whole, okay? Look, if I am, I'm going to see if this shit is real. Hold on one second. <clears throat> Let me see if this shit is real. If this shit is real, Clara, pardon uh, um, what is it called? Um, financing gas. If I'm not, if this better be a joke, it ain't a joke. Do you understand that gas and energy is getting so fucking high? Okay, we talk for people who drive vehicles. If you drive a fucking vehicle, do you know their their job is going to skyrocket? I mean, skyrocket gasoline. Skyrocket it. Listen to this shit. <laughs> How many of y'all know who Klarna is? How many of y'all know who, what the company and what, who the company and what the company of Klarna is? Klarna. Klarna. Anybody know who Klarna is? They're alternative financing company. Okay? They're their alternative finance company. Okay? They're into flexibility play. Yeah, one R, Klarna, like this. Clarina is, um, yeah, there you go, Brian. What they do is create shit where you can buy now, pay later. Well, guess what they're financing now that you can buy now and pay later? Gasoline, motherfuckers. Gasoline. Think about that. Financing of gas-a-fucking-lean. Financing, buy now, pay later, railway type shit for gas. <laughs> Financing for gas. I know one person, I know of one person who said this shit was going to happen. And nobody listened to him. Nobody fucking listened to the dude because they said he was racist. And gas prices, you like that $2 gas, right? How about $5, $6, and $7? Darling, let's sell the car. It's a little bit too large. Let's get a compact. Biden's plan is an economic death sentence. 
And gas prices, you like that $2 gas, right? How about $5, $6, and $7? Darling, let's sell the car. It's a little bit too large. Let's get a compact. And gas prices, you like that $2 gas, right? How about $5, $6, and $7? Darling, let's sell the car. It's a little bit too large. Let's get a compact. And gas prices, you like that $2 gas, right? How about $5, $6, and $7, darling, let's sell the car. It's a little bit too large. Let's get a cop pack. Biden's plan is... Point being, all right, point being is that they're doing this shit purposely. It has nothing to do with nothing else but the fact that the energy companies are running a racket. They're in on ESG, which is headed by those who participate in the World Economic Forum, that they are purposely running up energy prices, purposely, to cause and inflict pain on as many people as they can. It ain't even really started, y'all. This is just the beginning. This is just the fucking beginning. The beginning. You have to create enough pain for people to say, what do, whatever you say will do. It's like MMA fighters, when they want you to fucking tap out, when they got your arm in a bar hole, when they're getting ready to break your motherfucking arm, and you got you to gotta tap out. That's what they want to do to people. In this country in particular, because America is, the way that its structure is unlike many other nations on this planet. Right, Baruch? So they can't hit them with everything all at once. No, it's as I'm saying, it's an unraveling. You know, it's it's an unraveling that they're constantly doing. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, but that's that's the kind of shit they got going on. One more again. And gas prices, you like that two dollar gas, right? How about five dollars, six dollars, and seven dollars, darling? Let's sell the car. It's a little bit too large. Let's get a compact. Biden's plan is an economic death sentence. And what you got going on out here? We're talking, we're talking about economics, right? What, they, what they're doing to the economy. The, do, the, the, the dollar is falling by the day. By the day. And this old man that they got sitting up here who, who a bag of bones and a, a fucking puppet, he all in for it. He passed, he, he signed off on a little known trade agreement or a lifting of tariffs that was put on China because they want to be able to build these fucking um, solar panels. For one, America can't run on, America cannot run solely on solar, solar power. If they ain't doing nuclear, we know they're not releasing the zero point energy that we know they really have, that we know that the government truly holds zero point energy. See, they're not about making everyday people lives fucking good. Let's not get it twisted. They want people to give over this any level of sovereignty that that without that you have. Don read the shit where they was talk showing you how they going to make everybody's actions and what they do online into a a mining-type situation 
right? Everything that, that, that is done. And so, again, their job is to create so much pain and havoc that people will willfully accept a transfer of economic policy. I mean, when I say economic policy, I mean total transformation of the economy. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be really, it's going to be some wild shit. I'm not going to stay on that too long. But just understand that Clarna, as of two weeks ago, now you can buy gas now and pay later in installments. What the fuck is really going on? I ain't <laughs> never heard of no shit like that. It's the pay... Railway plans for gas. Oh, my goodness. Forgive me if I can't go no further than buy now, pay later for gasoline. If they doing that with gasoline, what the fuck you think they about to do with electricity, people? What do you think they about to do with water? Please prepare yourself. Look what they're doing with food right now. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I've, I've, been, I've always stressed for y'all to get your, oh, you get a seed bank, to have a seed bank, collect your seeds, always overgrow a couple of plants so you can collect your own seeds and shit like that. Because I don't know how dastardly any of these motherfuckers is. I don't trust none of them. I never will. Because, you know, you still got to keep your own level of self-determination out in this bitch. Okay, keep your level of self-determination. And yes, prices, you like that? Uh, one more time. How about five dollars, six dollars, seven dollars, darling? Let's sell the car. Too little bit too large. Let's get a compact. <laughs> Every time I hear it, it's funny. But um, have your own level of self-determination, and you know what I'm saying. So you can always take care of business and be able to handle business. You know. For real, man. Um, I got this for y'all, too. Shout out to uh, the Texas governor, I mean, Florida governor, um, because he's at least trying to make it easy on folks. You know what I'm saying? Look, let, let me tell you how shit ridiculous. This, this is before, let me, before I move on, let me, before before I move on, because I, I noticed this, and I said, what the fuck is this? I went to Hawaii. I was in Hawaii in about 2000. I went my last time I went to Hawaii was probably around 2000 and I want to say 2009. I went to, I was in Hawaii, right? Back then, because of everything for the most part in Hawaii is imported to the island, things are really high in Hawaii. I remember, like I said, like 2009, buying a hamburger for like maybe about $10. And that's in 09. I was like, damn, that's kind of high. Do you, do you, I took my children, my, my son wanted a hamburger, and we drove by a Carl's Jr. I said, okay, you want to go here? You're picking something up? He was like, cool, let's go here. Do you, do you, when I tell you that a Carl's burger, charboard burger, a double burger, Cost $16. $16 for a Carl's Jr. 
double Angus burger. Sixteen fucking dollars. I said they going for the fucking gusto around here. Eggs has doubled in price. Now I know they do us Californians real fucked up than most of the country at times. It kind of is like a ripple. Of, they always start on the coast, New York, California, to do real ridiculous, stupid shit. I don't care if it means lowering the age of consent for homosexuality or if it means running up fucking home prices to running up fucking food prices. Do you understand that they burnt down a fucking chicken factory? Remember I told you they kept, they continuously was burning down um, farms and shit? continuously burning down farms, a chicken, uh, a big chicken distributor that do eggs and shit out here, burn to the ground. Burn to the ground. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about these fucking food, you know what I'm saying, these industrial food places being burnt to the fucking ground. (laughs) This shit is wild These motherfuckers is crazy Y'all Y'all hear me though They motherfucking crazy It's wild All right. (laughs) Hold on But shout out to Florida governor Because he understands what's going on out there He's trying to bring some type of relief to, To Floridians Okay, he just passed a fucking um, tax break bill to a couple of days ago. Shout out, let's give a hand to Ron DeSantis because he see what these fools is out here doing. Ron DeSantis is uh, be like, I'm at least try to give the Floridians a little bit of a little bit of cushion because I see what they're doing out here. He um he signed a tax break bill including the reduction on gas and diapers, and more, okay? Shout out to him. And he said y'all not, y'all not create no more pet projects on my watch to run up costs within the state. So shout out to, uh, uh, what's his name, Ron DeSantis. But I want to give y'all this. Let me not forget this. Your boy... I want y'all to hear Bill Gates or something, and then I got something for y'all on this monkeypox. Listen to this cat. I want y'all to listen to him because they always double talking. They always double speaking and double talking. Listen and see if y'all catch what he says. Fisher's annual letter. Melinda and I take the toughest questions we get asked and give our answers. One that's come up for a long time is. As we make the world healthier, is the population going to get so big that feeding everybody and maintaining the environment is going to be impossible? Here we can see a chart that looks at the total world population over the last several hundred years. And at first glance, this is a bit scary. We go from less than a billion in 1800 and then three, four, five, six and 7.4 billion where we are today is happening even faster. So Melinda and I wondered whether providing new medicines and keeping children alive, would that create more of a population problem? What we found out is that as health improves, families choose to have less children. And 
this effect is very, very dramatic. We find that in every country of the world, this is repeated. The population growth goes down as we improve health. So we've taken that chart that shows the global population growth, and we've actually extended it out all the way to 2100. And we can see that instead of continuing, it actually flattens out. Another way to see that is through this rate of population growth. And you can see that in the 60s, that reached a pretty high number, over 2% per year, and it's now come way, way down. Now, 11 billion people still a lot, but the good news is that the faster we improve health, the faster family size goes down. And so we can feel great about saving those lives. Did you catch it? Did you catch what he said? Did you did you catch what he was throwing? Did you hear it? What did he say? What did he say? Tell me tell tell me what he said. What y'all hear? We gotta put our thinking caps on tonight. What did he say? And did it make any sense? Right. It, there you go. Do any of y'all believe that shit? I want you to think about the course of history and the course of time and the course of the improvement of infrastructure, sanitation, and medicine. Is he telling the truth? And I wish y'all could see that chart because the chart decline, it was a, I wish y'all could see the chart. Matter of fact, here, let me give it to you. If y'all want to look at it, here you go. Right. It makes no sense. Exactly. We know for a fact when infrastructure, improvement, and sanitation, and medicine, population grows. It does not reduce. No reduction. Let me play that again because I really want you. I wish y'all could see this. Check out the chart. Go to 36 okay. seconds. Start at 36 seconds. Hold on. Billion in 1800 and then three, four, five, six, and 7.4 billion where we are today is happening even faster. So Melinda and I wondered whether providing new medicines and keeping children alive, would that create more of a population problem? What we found out is that as health improves, families choose to have less children. And this effect is very, very dramatic. We find that in every country of the world, this is repeated. The population growth goes down as we improve health. So we've taken that chart that shows the global population growth and we've actually extended it out all the way to 2100. And we can see that instead of continuing, it actually flattens out. Another way to see that is through this rate of population growth. And you can see that in the 60s, that reached a pretty high number, over 2% per year. 
and it's now come way, way down. Now, 11 billion. Now, see, y'all can't see that chart, right? That chart shows the dramatic crease all the way up to 2100. 2100. So that's another 80 plus years. So they're telling you that they have a trajectory and a projection of what they plan to do to society and to the world's population. So again, that depopulation ain't a fraud. It ain't a myth. It ain't made up. It ain't illusionary. You know what I'm saying? That's you. Let me, let me, I'm about to read something off y'all. What up, Don? Great day, Don. Don Nicole Leon is in the building, y'all. What's happening with you, Don? Great day. Since 1960, massive decline in, 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 in world population. And here's one of the reasons why. We're not, we, we going to throw out abortion, okay? We're not even going to call, we, we're not, fuck abortion, right? We're going to give abortion what it is, right? Since 1963, since 1963, because this is when the population started to Y'all got sound in here? I see sound. Y'all got sound? Can I get a one? Who got, y'all got sound? Can you hear me? It's on on you, though. You got to log in, log out. Okay, cool. Here you go, y'all. I'm about to read it off for y'all, okay? New vaccines all created in 1960 and on. Smallpox, tetanus, pertussis, polio, measles, mumps, um, diphtheria, um, OPV, what else? Hib which is, um, I forget what the HIB is called, hepatitis. HIB is HIB, HIB or some shit like that. Um, Versilia, hepatitis A, uh, Numeo Ocolo, influenza, making people more sick. Um, what else we got? Uh, rotavirus. Um, now you got all this other shit. So the fact is, they've been getting people sick around the world and population and growth and sterilization has continued to happen over time. What do you think what you think is in them formulas that they're giving them babies? Guarantee you you're gonna have a whole generation who gonna be able unable to reproduce. They took all that shit off the shelf to fly some shit in that they made in the lab for these dumb mothers to get to their children. Okay. Genetic breakdown. Say that shit on show. Genetic breakdowns. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so you got that, right? So you got him. You got what Bill Gates said. Now I'm going to take you to the head of Pfizer, who was just at the World Economic Forum last week. Here's his words. You always got to listen for what they don't say. 
or read between the lines of what they do say. Here we go. Good afternoon. Oh, shit. I have the great pleasure to start a um, dialogue with one of the chief executives, probably most in the news last year, and also, uh, Dr. Willow, you made, you made today a very uh, groundbreaking announcement. We will certainly come back. But uh, I have the pleasure to introduce uh, Dr. Albert Pula, who is since 2019, just before uh, the COVID crisis broke out, since this morning. Can you tell it those new medicines will be inserted into uh, the offer of the portfolio that we will offer into these countries? I think that uh, it's really a fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California. Oh, I don't want the whole thing. I just want what, what the fuck he said about this. Hold on. This is, I think yeah. that uh, it's really a fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today this dream is becoming a reality. Can, can, can I play that again? That uh, it's really a fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today this dream is becoming uh, reality. Now, now what I'm going to say is this. That shit was edited, I must say. They took out what he said. What he said was, if people do not take our medicine, half of the world's population will be gone. I'm going to play you. You heard that, but I'm going to play you what he said because that was edited. Set up the goals for the next five years, and one of them, was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world that cannot afford our medicines by 50%. I think today, this dream is becoming a reality. He said, for those who cannot afford our medicines, that's double speak. That's what I'm telling you. You know what I'm saying? That's double talk, double speak. Right? It's double talk. Right? People who can't afford our medicine. Well, that means one or two things. Either the government is going to pay for your medicine, right? They're going to pay for it like they did during this shit, during this whole little pandemic, and then distribute it to the people. Okay? <laughs> Okay. Uh huh. Or 
they'll have the rest of the population so sick, those who cannot afford it will be gone, and half of the population will be gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, right, right. Newbie said this is how you get people to take it. I, absolutely. But but that's some that's some double speak right there. Some shit that you just got together with your people in California in 2019. Check this man out. The audacity. We had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world that cannot afford our medicines by 50%. I think today this dream is becoming uh, reality. Double talk. <laughs> Double talk. If that's the case, no, for real though, if, if he's saying that, then that means governments are going to buy all his all that shit up. That means that what like just like we saw with this whole COVID shit, that means that that's going to be a regularity. That government and private uh, conglomerates are going to be one. They they will be one. You got to understand that's what um that's what oligarchs I should say that's what um democratic socialism or stakeholder capitalism as they call it is, is when business, large corporations and government are truly one. Right? They are truly one. And that's what they got going on here. This year wild. <laughs> this year wild. All right. But I got this for you, man. Hold on. We we got we got thirty minutes before we headed to OT. I saw Zena put in. Uh, what you say? They want the drugs to be affordable. They want Negroes to sleep and be spelled. But absolutely, a- absolutely, you gotta understand. It, it's a whole bunch of shit, Oshon. They have to be able to um, say shit is out of control so they can all so it can all become one single payer system. People think that. Especially young people think that's the lick and that's the shit. When you got a single pair system, that means you have no choice. Your choices become limited. You know? If they combine all that shit, you have no choice. Then that means that nobody else can create the creation. Creativity disappears. People cannot then create an alternative. If you think it's bad now how they shut down innovation and for people who actually want to create shit that's going to revolutionize the world or take the burden off of people, they'll never be able to do it if they allow this kind of merger to happen. But they mind fuck the young people and the other people are so dependent and they, they don't understand how to function on their own that they beg the government to create solution. Government is never the solution. Governments are not um what's that word? What's the word I'm looking for? Government is not um benevolent. Never have and never will be. They're not benevolent forces. You know what I'm saying? It's not a benevolent institution. 
but you ain't never supposed to just take government's word for it wholeheartedly or just rock with them. And people gonna do it. Unfortunately, I'm trying. They gonna do it. But but I got this for you. Zena put in the chat room the other day about um, how Biden is withholding um, federal funds for those for the school lunch program for those who don't adhere to LGBTQ um, propaganda and or studies, whatever they're trying to put in the school, right? This is how these Democrats, this is how they run roughshod. This is how they play. Let me show you what they did to people in Compton. Let me... Compton got to be one of one of the most corrupt places in this country. But more importantly, I wanted I want to show you this and illustrate it because this is what these newbin fucking politicians do in just about all districts that are run predominantly by newbin people. We already know when they get their hands on school districts, they devils. We talk about a black devils sitting in these chairs of politics and shit like that. They are they are meant to um to continue to step on niggas in, in, in moving communities who um you know, that are fucked up. And they, they are they are planted there to keep moving communities fucked up. To make sure that they um there's no real organization. There's no real collaboration. There, real, there is no real change in any of these communities where it's predominantly moving. And, and so they put these moving devils in these places, and they are the most wicked. They are beyond wicked, man. J1, when I saw this shit, I was like, they all got, they need to be taken the fuck out. I need, I need a Charles, I need some niggas to be like Charles Bronson. Remember Charles Bronson? Remember his movies? Remember Charles Bronson? He would get these motherfuckers who was raping women and, you know, fucking shit up. He would catch their ass on the late night and just take them out. We need that. We need that. Vigilante. We need some vigilantes around here. These motherfuckers got to go. I want you to listen to this, man. Listen to this shit. And I happened to find this shit. I happened to find this clip when I was watching some shit on my man Tupac, because y'all know I'm a Tupac. I love Tupac. Um, I, I practice idolatry when I fuck with, with Tupac, so y'all know that, right? <laughs> I be in my idolist ways when I when it comes to that to that cat. So I was watching this doc this this documentary this thing on him, and um, it was called the it's called it was called the Tupac assass uh, the assassination of Tupac the fight for Compton. And I when I saw this shit here, I said this is how they do it in nigga communities. Check it out, and it's all democratic run. It's all democratic run. You can't, so this is why you can't say shit about Republicans, man, like when it comes to, to niggas, and niggas have no footing to stand on when they say they, they policies are racist. It is your own kind doing all the corruption and defiling, stealing, 
and essentially killing. Ain't got nothing to do with no fucking white folks, no none of these conservatives that you can't stand white. It ain't got nothing to do with them. It ain't got shit to do with them. Okay? Here we go. Y'all ready for this? Let's go. For the from from what I'm where I'm starting at, this is a nig a former black mayor of Compton. Let's go. I still got family that live in Compton. For the um, shout out to my cousin Valerie and them. But here we go. What's up, boy? Omar. What's going on, homie? Right, up, Omar? Doing a documentary. Corruption exacerbated things, as prominent political figures were identified often with a federal investigation of corruption on a variety of charges. You had some high-ranking people like U.S. Representative uh, Tucker taking some bribes from a company, I think it was a rubbish company or a reclaim. Let me, let me read this for you. It says, Walter Tucker was a former deputy district attorney. His term as mayor was plagued by allegations of corruption. This is a, this is a black man named Walter Tucker, okay? Here we go. The reclamation company that was come into Compton and given favored status, and, and and the FBI investigated, and then over a course of time found guilty. The city council meet in August. No. And yet our producer found that you were being paid in August. Probably so. Why so? Tradition. I was. I mean, just to be honest, I was really naive. I have worked in politics at a lot of different levels. I have. I just want you to know he's taking a picture. He's in between um, Bill and Hillary Clinton. Bill and Hillary Clinton is some of the most wickedest motherfuckers out here, y'all. That fucking Southern charm, Arkansas, sunglasses, saxophone playing. I'm the first black president really at one of the biggest devils out here, him and his wife. Niggas was fooled by them like no other. Slick Willie, say that shit, Nanya. Responsible for your supermax prisons. They are, that that administration gave the most money and built the most prisons in this country during his time. Supermax prisons under. Bill Clinton, just and during his eight-year run. Mandatory minimums came under his watch with his Congress and your boy, Joe Biden. Here we go. Let me give, did I give out the link? Did I get a link out? There you go, yeah, here we go. I'm at um, 24-23. Worked in the White House. I've worked on five presidential campaigns. I'd been a deputy mayor. Um, I'd been on the State Board of Education. Uh, Worked on a number of mayoral campaigns and gubernatorial campaigns. I had never, never encountered politics like I encountered in Compton. Ben Austin worked in the White House, so he's seen politics of all kinds. They've got to be pretty bad. Our research shows in 2012, the city council members earned $39,000 each for serving on four commissions. 
which met for a total of 26 hours. That shakes out to $1,500 per hour. Compton was just the Wild West, and there were simply no rules. There were no... Let me read you. It says, see, um, KCTTV reported that the mayor, Paradon, contributor, contributor never repaid the 3.5 loan to the city. Now, this is when black politicians be hooking up their partners, okay? They go have a cousin, an uncle, um, a best friend that go sets up a corporation and, and gets it to, and puts together a hurry-up construction company where they go ahead and, and they bid and they win these bids, okay? That's what they do. Okay, here we go. Lines that people of power in Compton were unwilling to cross to defend their power. No legal lines, no moral lines, no ethical lines. I just found that it was the Wild West. What commissions are you on? Uh, all of them. Uh, do you have a favorite? A favorite? No. This is Lily Dobson. This is another black woman. You got to understand, this is where your girl comes from. Maxine Waters and shit, this is where she comes from. All right? Here we go. You got to remember, Maxine Waters was indicted or convicted and paid major fines for giving contracts to her family members while, while being a state senator. Now she sits on the, probably the second most powerful chair as far as committees in Congress as the head of the um, um, Ways and Means Committee, Appropriations Committee. See, these devils get their rewards real handsomely for the shit that they do to other Nubians. But here we go. Let's keep going. Well, which one I'm just serving on the ones that, that's on the book. So that's, uh, it was CRA. It was uh, public finance. Uh, uh, you me back. In nearby Huntington Park, council members may. Okay. So. She was the lady talking. She was um, alleged and convicted of giving city contracts to campaign contributors. Make less than $15,000 a year. Ditto over in Maywood. The politicians there make about $6,700 a year. And in affluent Huntington Beach, council members earn about 16000 And the rules of engagement, the normal rules of engagement do not apply. Do they do anything? Well, they listen to the audience comments, and then they may comment on that. And then they decide something? <laughs> it's just there's nothing it's to decide. So the people that came into power hired their cousins and their uncles mm -hmm. and others into the jobs, especially in the school district, right, which was the largest employer uh, for city residents. But in 1993, the state does something unprecedented. It takes over the Compton School District. The state had never done that before. School board president announced during a debate about this that um, we just need to accept that all children are not going to succeed. All kids are not going to make it. That's just the opening salvo. That was their basic premise from which they were operating. And everything else flows from there. And the board, sometimes we don't even know what's going on.
I mean, the, the, the words that were spoken in confidence. Yeah, I gave you your five minutes. There will be no more speaking. And the actions that were taken were, in my mind, in an alternate universe. And like I said, I, I, I had come there having worked in the White House and on five presidential campaigns. All kids are not going to make it. And I had never seen anything like this. Adult issues are important. So you have, in that period of the late 80s through the late 90s, this mountain of scandals uh, in the school district, in City Hall, in the representatives that, to, our, to Congress from the city. I was at an education conference in San Diego, and I saw across the hall former superintendent of Compton. He just happened to be there. Uh, I remember it was like it was yesterday. He turns to me and he says, you're a crazy mother. Okay, former Mayor Omar Bradley. He called for the states to take over the Compton School District, okay? He called it an illegal occupation, which is true. Pay attention right here because this is where it gets funky. Check it out. Now, I want you to keep in mind of what Zena posted the other day about how the Democrats are withholding lunch, the, the food program funds for the schools that do not adhere to their LGBTQ agenda. Keep that in mind when you listen to this. Here we go. Incompetent. Yeah, I gave you your five minutes. There will be no more speaking. And the actions that were taken were, in my mind, in an alternate universe. And like I said, I, I, I had come there having worked in the White House and on five presidential campaigns. All kids are not going to make it. And I had never seen anything like this. Adult issues are important. So you have, in that period of the late 80s through the late 90s, this mountain of scandals uh, in the school district, in City Hall, in the representatives that, to, our, to Congress from the city. I was at an education conference in San Diego, and I saw across the hall former superintendent of Compton. He just happened to be there. Uh, I remember it was like it was yesterday. He turns to me and he says, you're a crazy motherfucker. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, when I was superintendent of Compton, the mayor called me one day and said that I needed to sell a parcel of land to, to a developer friend of his. And, and he said, you know, that he refused, that he wasn't going to do it. So soon after that, a school caught on fire. And a couple of days, a week later, another school catches on fire. And then it happens again. And so he called the fire chief uh, or the police chief. I don't, I don't remember which. And, and he said, when is this going to stop? What's going on here? we got a huge problem. And he said, the fires will stop when the mayor says the fires will stop. They were essentially doing this eyes wide open. They'd done a report on themselves. They learned that the schools were not, not performing well because of affirmative decisions they were making and didn't make any changes. And that was, for me, a, a real poster child for an educational system that is fundamentally designed to serve the needs of adults, not the needs of children. Adult issues are important. Kids in McKinley are 50 times more likely to drop out of school than to go to college. Right. I mean, that's a huge concern, and especially for these parents that want their kids to succeed like any parent does. And so the first thing, they want to get their kids out of, out of this school district. I founded an organization called Parent Revolution, uh, and we invented a new law. Okay, okay. This is where I want y'all to pay attention. 
right here. But this this ties into what Zena was saying. Yes, um, with that with that um withholding money, and this goes back to what we've said many years, many years over here on Hot Damn Politics, where we when it came down to school choice and charter schools. Listen closely. Uh, called the parent trigger law. The law says that if half the parents at a failing school, that is fundamentally designed to serve the needs of adults, not the needs of children. Adult issues are important. Kids in McKinley are 50 times more likely to drop out of school than to go to college. Right. I mean, that's a huge concern, and especially for these parents that want their kids to succeed like any parent does. And so the first thing, they want to get their kids out of, out of this school district. I founded an organization called Parent Revolution, uh, and we invented a new law called the Parent Trigger Law. The law says that if half the parents at a failing school sign a petition, they can bring in new staff, they can bring in new leadership, they can convert their school to a charter school, um, or they can use the law as leverage to bargain. But it wasn't until... You hear that? That's always a problem when you give par- parents power when it comes to education in their children. Y'all peep what he said, what kind of law they put in place? If the schools were failing, the if parents have the power to remove people, remove from teachers, flip the school and say, we don't want to be a part of the public um, school system anymore. We want to be able to become a charter school. It still gets federal funds, but it also gets private money. But the more important is that they had the power to flip teachers and administration, right? Because just like anything else in America, just like it says, if you don't like the way this shit is going, you have the ability to tear it down and start it all over. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he gave this type of power. He put this law in place where it's, uh, in, in a community where it's nothing but Nubians and Mexicans. Check it out. Here's the second part. All right. Uh, we turned the petitions in on December 7th um, that the blowback really began. They mapped the uh, networks of the school and figured out the children of the parents who signed the petition. Um, and for the children of the parents who signed the petition, these are elementary school kids. Um, the, they wouldn't let the children, when they were at school, they wouldn't let them go to the bathroom. Um, and um, they forced the children to pee in their pants. And when they did, they were sent to the nurse's office. And the nurse was in charge of the rescissions. And so the nurse would call in the mom to bring clean underwear in. And as the mom was changing their child's underwear, the nurse would ask her to sign a rescission petition. You hear that, y'all? Do you hear that? This goes right back to what Zena put in the chat room the other day, that they were going to withhold food funding for children. This is their game plan. This is how Democrats treat niggas. And new, you know what I'm saying? This is what they do. So for the life of me, I don't understand how niggas cannot wake up and smell the coffee when it comes to the shit that they do to folks who look like them. They put these people in place 
to get them to go up against their own, to go against what's even best for them. They got people thinking that charter schools are bad. See, charter schools give people choice. What I tell you, Oshun, when they don't give people choice, you are forced to stay in what they have. Okay, we're not talking, so we're not talking about people like us who pulled our children out, who don't participate in public school systems and go to the schoolhouses and sit in these classrooms, but we know still a, lot, a, lot, a large part of them do. But they have convinced black folks that charter schools are bad. Charter schools bring competition, and like anything in, in, in the marketplace, when you have competition, it brings about embitterment. Because if you have something that monopolizes on anything, it can all be go to shit and people have no choice. They have nowhere else to turn. So you see how they purposely set up traps for children to fail and repeatedly fail? Here you go, Jay. Why don't I play it again for you when it came, when he talked about what the nurses, they did to the children in the schools. I'll give it to you again. Here we go. Now, this this happened like 20 years ago. It said the board behavior. Oh, hold on, here we go. Kids in McKinley are 50 times more likely to drop out of school than to go to college. Right. I mean, that's a huge concern, and especially for these parents that want their kids to succeed like any parent does. And so, first thing, they want to get their kids out of out of this school district. I founded an organization called Parent Revolution, uh, and we invented a new law called the Parent Trigger Law. The law says that if half the parents at a failing school sign a petition, they can bring in new staff, they can bring in new leadership. They can convert their school to a charter school, um, or they can use the law as leverage to bargain. But it wasn't until he said, or they can use the law as a chip to bargain. You're welcome. They created laws to give parents power, power of what goes on in their children's schools. This is why you have, you have, these Democrats who now run, run shit, who are in this administration, who now have parents who standing up to bullshit, being, being harassed and targeted by FBI and the Department of Justice as being domestic terrorists. Now, this is what they're doing to the white folks. And it's really, and, you know, and that should have spread to anybody. So that's any parent that chooses to stand up. They telling these right now, you and your children can't get no food if you don't adhere to our shit. Hell yeah, Ethereum, the teachers union is a joke and it needs to be dismantled. It's a fucking joke. Okay? Here we go. Here we go, hold on. Kids in McKinley are 50 times more likely to drop out of school than to go to college. Right. I mean, that's a huge concern, and especially for these parents that want their kids to succeed like any parent does. And so first thing, they wanted to get their kids out of, out of this school district. I founded an organization called Parent Revolution, uh, and we invented a new law called the Parent Trigger Law. The law says that if half the parents at a failing school sign a petition, they can bring in new staff, they can bring in new leadership, they can convert their school to a charter school. 
um, or they can use the law as leverage to bargain. But it wasn't until uh, we turned the petitions in on December 7th um, that the blowback really began. They mapped the uh, networks of the school and figured out the children of the parents who signed the petition. Um, and for the children of the parents who signed the petition, these are elementary school kids. Um, the, they wouldn't let the children, when they were at school, they wouldn't let them go to the bathroom. Um, and um, they forced the children to pee in their pants. And when they... So again, these are teachers doing this. These are teachers doing this not letting children go to the restroom. That's like Ethereum said with them teachers union. They all in it together. Okay? And they know what type of teachers they put into predominantly moving communities. I don't give a fuck what they say. They strategically put these type of teachers in there. Strategically. Just like police officers, teachers used to be from where you lived. They used to teach in the school. They used to live in the community. I never forget, majority of my teachers did. Miss um, um, Nunley, um, uh, fucking Miss Kelly. I remember I used to go over to my math teacher fucking house, Miss Kelly in Alameda. Her and my mama was partners. They grew up together. She was my eighth grade math teacher at Frick Junior High School. Okay? That's how much they, they changed shit over. And then I remember once I got into high school, I started I start peeping the type of teachers they start putting in, um, you know, our schools. They start bringing in. It was all these other white children, these white teachers, and these teachers who had just graduated and shit and was putting them in our schools, had no connection to, to any of us, didn't give a fuck. They started putting teachers in there who was on fucking emergency credentials and shit like that. It was wild. I remember that very well. They did. They were sent to the nurse's office, and the nurse figured out the children of the parents who signed the petition. Um, and for the children of the parents who signed the petition, these are elementary school kids. Um, the, they wouldn't let the children, when they were at school, they wouldn't let them go to the bathroom. Um, and um, they forced the children to pee in their pants. And when they did, they were sent to the nurse's office, and the nurse was in charge of the rescissions. And so the nurse would call in the mom to bring clean underwear in, and as the mom was changing their child's underwear, the nurse would ask her to sign a rescission petition. And I just want to make this statement. When Omar had the city with a surplus, had the murder rate drop from 100 a year down to 20 by bringing in the sheriff and getting rid of the, uh, the corrupt company PD. Okay. That's the end of it. They're going to some other shit. They're going to the corrupt police departments and shit like that. But I just wanted to play that clip because when I, when I saw Zena put that in the chat room, that reminded me of, that, of, of this right here. And this is how they do. This is how, um, how Democrats roll, baby. Thanks, Don. It was, man. I, that was some real eye-opening shit when I heard that. So 
but they convince Nubian um, parents that charter schools are no good for their for their children. Even when you have proof, when charter schools were brought into the community, children literacy went up. Children's um, you know, children were less depressed. The whole school dynamics was changing. And then Democrats fought, fought to make them go, to make these charter schools go away and said that it was unfair to public schools. Okay? And for the life of me, I just can't, I just don't know, I don't know, J1, I don't know how they just rock with them. I just, I don't, I don't know how any newborn person with a functioning brain fucks with these people at all, at all. I just don't know how they do it. You might hear fireworks. This, this is summertime. These folks got fireworks around here. You know what I'm saying? So it's just amazing, man. It's amazing. This is how they <laughs> This is how they do, man. And that um, LGBTQ shit is just the beginning. Oh no, it's just fireworks. It's cool. I mean, they, it's fireworks, um, Brian. It's all good. You <laughs> should keep your gun next to you. I don't live in one of them kind of neighborhoods no more. Thank the Most High. Um. <laughs> well, but you know, hey, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a I'm a woman who lives with her children, so uh, you know, yeah, I get. I, uh, the Thule is never far away. But anyway, <laughs> but let's get into something else. Like, what you got on show? You said going into places like that gives children mental health issues. Absolutely. But it sure do. Right? I go, oh, that's right. I'm, I'm a mother. Love that. No, I, I Absolutely, J1. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Um, um, let, me, let me give you all this because I got something else for you all. Where'd it go? Hey, I had something else. Before I tap back into a silent weapon for a quiet world war, I wanted to give you this. Um, damn, I don't forget. I don't forget. Sorry. I already yesterday said this earlier. I should have said it earlier about what Canada is doing. Um, but here you go. I got this for you. Cobb County. What's Cobb County? Cobb County, Georgia. Check this out. I want you to check out what they're doing in Cobb County, man. Okay. Here we go. News is taking you inside the Cobb County Jail. Hundreds of inmates will soon have to wear a special medical device in an effort to limit the growing number of deaths at the jail in just the last month. Channel 2's Justin Carter is live from the Cobb County Jail in Marietta. And Justin, the sheriff hopes this will help jail staff work smarter, not harder. Lori, that's right. Yes, three inmates died here at the Cobb County Jail just in May. Two of them, at least two of them, were under mental health supervision. It's a problem that the sheriff says he wants to solve by a little device that's just about the size of my watch. Suicides are the leading cause of death in jails currently. Isaac Newton is a part of the team that designed this orange wrist device, where soon inmates considered at risk 
will have to wear at the Cobb County Jail. He showed Channel 2 Action News how it works Tuesday inside the jail infirmary. If we sense a lack of motion, if we sense a heart rate, we're going to get a removal alarm. We'll get it within probably somewhere in the area of 15 to 30 seconds. It could also sense if an... Why are they testing on these folks, man? This is a te- this is a test. You got to understand, they shot up, unfortunately, a lot of people locked up. You understand what I'm saying? They made people take that shit. And so now they're monitoring, okay, heart rhythms and, and everything else, putting medical devices on, 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 on folks. Here, let me give you this so y'all can see it. Here you go. Infirmary. If we sense a lack of motion, if we sense a heart rate, we're going to get a removal alarm. We'll get it within probably somewhere in the area of 15 to 30 seconds. It can also sense if an inmate has taken the device off. Device removed. There is device a- removed. And when people are determined to hurt themselves, there's not a lot we can do sometimes. Cobb County Sheriff Craig Owen says that he believes this is a long-term solution to a growing problem. He says not only does Cobb County now have 24-hour mental health care at the jail, these devices will hopefully get jail staff to respond to medical emergencies quicker. We're going to achieve some of those things by technology because we just don't have enough people to do some of the things we need to do. I don't want one. They straight lying. These motherfuckers is lying. These motherfuckers is lying. Okay. I what did I read the uh, not too long ago when it comes to um um the medical devices that you put on you your Fitbits and all that shit. They got these electric um nodes that are able to tap into your vitals, right? So I'm saying we know that that shit sends off frequencies and they're tracking. To me, they're tracking. It's like data collection. To me, it's medical data collection, and they're doing it with inmates. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because people just ain't just, you know, falling out in, in, in these jailhouses, they're going to chalk it up to fucking suicide. A- ain't nobody believing that. And, and, and really, someone tried to commit Harry Carey on themselves. How the fuck is a, a, a electronic watch really going to stop that from happening? If you claim you don't have enough people. I guess what, you, since their heart rates go up, you're going to be able to run in there faster or something? Yeah, I call it Harry Carey. This <laughs> is Harry Carey. You know? Yeah, it is. It's Japanese. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, that's true. That's true, Baruji, but I'm saying that this shit is a little bit more sinister. This is true. I mean, we, we are being tracked to a certain, you know, to a certain extent. We keep it 100. You got credit cards. You got a debit card. You're being tracked. You got cell phones. We're being tracked. But I'm saying this is some other shit. This is something in, in, that is in connection with people's biorhythms that they're actually doing with these monitors. Okay. 
Because we know they got, they've been having ankle monitors. Remember, motherfuckers be on house arrest and got ankle monitors. So what, what you, so why, why is this such a big thing now in, in the jailhouses that you want to put these medical devices on people? This is all, this is tracking. This is tracking of um, medical outcomes and medical, um, you know, events. Okay. I, I don't, I, no, I don't buy the fact here at the jail. These devices will hopefully get jail staff to respond to medical ease off. Device removed. There is Device removed. Alerting jail staff in seconds. And when people are determined to hurt themselves, there's not a lot we can do sometimes. Cobb County Sheriff Craig Owen says that he believes. How many people they got out here now talking about they got mental issues? Mental health, mental this. That's a big word. That's that's been a real um, key phrase. Mental health that they've been on for the last two years. So um, I'm always I'm always thinking when it comes to testing grounds, it's military, it's inmates um, that they like to do a lot of testing on. Why? Because they're truly like wards of the state. Military, you are contracted to the government. So it ain't until recently that we've seen masses of them saying, well, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. They used to make people take all kinds of drugs and, um, and chalk it up to you a part of it, you in the military. Take this vitamin, even though you don't know what the fuck is it, it is, but just take it because we tell you to. We do the same thing to um, folks in jail. I mean, some of the first early um, sex change um, medication, sex pills, I mean, you know, hormone pills, they gave that to men in prison, in the prisons. Some back in the, back in the 1960s, as far back as the 1960s, 1970s. Please, this is a long-term solution to a growing problem. He says not only does Cobb County now have 24-hour mental health care at the jail, these devices will hopefully get jail staff to respond to medical emergencies quicker. We're going to achieve some of those things by technology because we just don't have enough people to do some of the things we need to do. I don't want one death. One death is too many. Like the fucking prison guards give a shit about people. Them motherfuckers so corrupt, man. They just, a whole bunch of um, COs just got in trouble in California for, you know, um, jailhouse fights and shit, arranging and betting on fights, letting motherfuckers just go at it and um, putting wagers on people's heads and, and for fights and shit. Like, like COs give a shit about people, man, please. Um... I got this for y'all, too. Ooh, I got this for y'all, too. So we know this about monkeypox, right? We we heard about the monkeypox. Oh, real fight club shit. Yeah, it was a big scandal out here, Ethereum, big scandal out here. I think they arrested about 40-something COs all throughout um, different um, jailhouses throughout California. They literally, they had like a pool, a, a betting pool amongst the different facilities and shit. And had, um, you know, let shit pop off in the yard, nobody say nothing, whether it be between the Aryans beating up other white boys who didn't want to be a part of the Aryans, let them funk, uh, black gorilla family funking with each other, you know, this this wild shit. Um, 
yeah, but I don't I don't trust nothing when it comes to um thinking that there's some real health like they really give a shit about um inmates' health, you know. Um, let me give you this. So y'all remember we so we know we so we I told y'all last well, week before last about how they did the same test run, tabletop test run on um with monkeypox just like they did with COVID. It just wasn't um it ain't been really talked about, you know. So they ran this test in twenty twenty one, um, said that they, they it would be an outbreak on May fifteenth, the first case, and it was three days later, May eighteenth is when the first case of monkeypox hit this um hit hit America, so so to speak, right? So we already know Again, Fauci and them was uh, doing gain of function research with monkeypox. This has been it's been verified. But let me but did y'all know this right here? I don't know what the hell we was doing in January, but we missed this story. Let me play it for you. This y'all. Um how we missed this. Check this shit out. <clears throat> Here we go. Now I need the whole story. Here we um I think this is it. I'm trying to figure out how we missed this. Twenty four hours after a crash in Montour County, all monkeys have been accounted for. We have the details on the search and the end to the monkey saga. It's our top story here on Newswatch sixteen at eleven. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Newswatch 16 at 11. I'm Stacey Lang. We're going to begin with new information on the bizarre crash in Montour County that had state and federal agencies searching for escaped monkeys. Those monkeys have since been found, and officials tell us they were euthanized. Newswatch 16's Amanda Eustace has the latest. Three monkeys that have been lost along the interstate in Montour County are all accounted for, all of them now dead. A public health risk assessment was conducted by several organizations, including the CDC. They confirmed the escaped monkeys were humanely euthanized. The monkeys escaped after a truck carrying about 100 of them collided with a dump truck Friday afternoon along Route 54 just off Interstate 80 near Danville. We're rural Pennsylvania. We hear about, like, cows getting out and, you know, pigs and, and trucks like that, you know, wrecking. But monkeys, not <laughs> not a common everyday thing. According to a CDC spokesperson, the monkeys were en route to a CDC-approved quarantine facility after landing Friday morning in New York. They are originally from Mauritius, a country in eastern Africa. The crash happened around 3.30 Friday afternoon. That's when the three monkeys got free in the Danville area. Police say the driver who was transporting the monkeys was charged in the crash. Originally, state... Hold up. (laughs) Yo, the monkeys were on their way to the CDC lab. Okay. They were on their way to the lab, being flown in from Africa by way of New York into Pennsylvania. Why they? It's all. How was the? How was it? If it was a true accident, Oshun, a true accident, car accident, accidents happen, right? 
Why was he charged? More importantly, I didn't even finish the rest of the story. What are the odds of a truck carrying a hundred plus fucking monkeys that are headed to a CDC lab crash and get loose within the community? Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and New York are all states that touch each other. When they call the tri-state area, uh, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, they're all right next to each other. Where the first so-called these outbreaks hit America? What states were they in, y'all? Come on. What states were they in? Massachusetts, New York. This is in rural Pennsylvania on the border of Massachusetts. Let's listen to what they said again. We ain't even, I didn't even get to the whole thing. Hold on. They confirmed the escaped monkeys were humanely euthanized. The monkeys escaped after a truck carrying about 100 of them collided with a dump truck Friday afternoon along Route 54 just off Interstate 80 near Danville. We're rural Pennsylvania. We hear about, like, cows getting out and, you know, pigs and, and trucks like that, you know, wrecking. But monkeys, not... <laughs> not a common everyday thing. According to a CDC spokesperson, the monkeys were en route to a CDC-approved quarantine facility after landing Friday morning in New York. They are originally from Mauritius, a country in eastern Africa. The crash happened around 3.30 Friday afternoon. That's when the three monkeys got free in the Danville area. Police say the driver who was transporting the monkeys was charged in the crash. Originally, state police told us four monkeys were on the loose. As of Saturday afternoon, some people were still worried. Little monkeys, we got bears, we have coyotes, we have deer, you know, all the time. A little three-pound monkey doesn't scare me, but why are they so concerned about it is what concerns me. Friday night, Newswatch 16 spoke with Michelle Fallon of Danville, who saw the entire act. Friday night, Newswatch 16 spoke. So concerned about it is what concerns me. A little three-pound monkey doesn't scare me, but why are they so concerned about it is what concerns me. Friday night. Little three pound monkey doesn't scare me, but why are they so concerned about it is what concerns me. Friday night, Newswatch 16 spoke with Michelle Fallon of Danville, who saw the entire accident. She jumped into action, helping both drivers and the loads they were carrying. I walk up back on the hill, and this guy tells me, he goes, oh, he's hauling cats. I'm like, oh. So I go over to look in the crate, and there's this green cloth over it, so I peel it back, I stick my finger in there, and go, kitty, kitty, and it pops it up, and it's a monkey. Fallon was contacted Saturday by the CDC and was told to monitor herself for any cold-like symptoms. She shared the letter from the CDC with Newswatch 16. It reads in part that the surviving monkeys will be quarantined and will be monitored for infectious diseases for at least 31 days before their release. Hold up. Y'all peep what they just said? Did you peep what they just said? Told the bitch to stay in the house. Watch for flu-like symptoms. But then, but check it. They said the remaining monkeys, the remaining, according to them, 97 monkeys, were all monitored, even though they said in the beginning of the story 
that the escaped ones were euthanized, were euthanized. Why did you kill the only the ones that got out? But you're quarantined the other 97. How much sense did that make? You killed the three supposedly that got out, but quarantined the remaining 97. More than four monkeys got out, y'all. They're lying. Like the man said, why they so concerned about this shit? That means that they probably was all throughout that fucking community. They let the monkeys out in rural Pennsylvania. That could spread. If they in rural Pennsylvania, that means that they're closer to um, upstate New York, right? Which is very, um, you know, got a lot of woods and shit like that. So they knew this virus was going to get out there. They knew it was only a matter of time. Just listen again. I love how they lie, though. I just, I'm just, I, I love how they lie, like, right on broadcast. Like, they just, they do it so well. They're just so good at it that it goes over majority of people's heads that they can listen to, a, um, you know, a newscast. And, and say that, oh, the other three was euthanized, but uh, the remaining, we just quarantined. No. Why would you only have to euthanize and kill the ones that escape? What is it, what is it about the other, what about, what is it about them that makes them so deadly that you got to euthanize them if you caught them? Why would you kill something if you caught it? State police told us four monkeys were on the loose. And as of Saturday afternoon, some people were still worried. Little monkeys, we got bears, we have coyotes, we have deer, you know, all the time. A uh, little three-pound monkey doesn't scare me, but why are they so concerned about it is what concerns me. Friday night, Newswatch 16 spoke with Michelle Fallon of Dan into action, helping both drivers in the loads they were carrying. I walk up back on the hill. Uh, before we get that, whoever the fuck she was talking to lied to her. If she if she ain't an actress, if she not an actress in this shit, right? We have to. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna put in a disclaimer. If this broad ain't an actress, if she telling the truth, right? Then that means somebody um, was in on it and told them we're hauling cats. Cats don't look like motherfucking monkeys. There's a big distinction between a cat and a fucking monkey, right? Here we go. Saturday afternoon, some people were still worried. Little monkeys, we got bears, we have coyotes, we have deer, you know, all the time. Uh, A little three-pound monkey doesn't scare me, but why are they so concerned about it is what concerns me. Friday night, Newswatch 16 spoke with Michelle Fallon of Danville, who saw the entire accident. She jumped into action, helping both drivers and the loads they were carrying. I walk up back on the hill, and this guy tells me, he goes, oh, he's hauling cats. I'm like, oh. So I go over to look in the crate, and there's this green cloth over it. So I peel it back, I stick my finger in there, and go, kitty, kitty. And it pops it up, and it's a monkey. Fallon was contacted Saturday by the CDC and was told to monitor herself for any cold-like symptoms. 
She shared the letter from the CDC with Newswatch 16. It reads in part that the surviving monkeys will be quarantined and will be monitored for infectious diseases for at least 31 days before their release. Amanda Eustace, Newswatch 16, Montour County. 24 hours. I'm trying to get to where they're talking about the, um, so a follow-up on the woman, they said they had to put her on rabies medication. Okay. <laughs> so she was like, if that's the case, kill her and die seven monkeys, right? They they put her on rabies medication. Okay. I was trying to play where you can actually hear, um hear what they say about her. Okay, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> That's the case. Kill her in the bitch. Kill her in the fucking uh, goddamn monkeys. Oh, that's too funny, man. That's too funny. Here's a weird story. On Friday night, a truck carrying 100 lab monkeys crashed in Pennsylvania. A number of them escaped, three of them. CDC showed up immediately with the other authorities, captured them, and killed them immediately. Why? What is the story about? Well, our friend Trace Gallagher is back. He's on this story for us. Hey, Trace. Hey, Tucker. These were 100 Sinomogus macaques. These are monkeys used in medical studies flown into the U.S. from Eastern Africa. As you said, they were put on a truck headed for an unknown research lab. The truck crashed in rural Pennsylvania, and crates full of monkeys spilled onto a road. Three of the monkeys got loose, and state troopers quickly notified residents not to look for them, saying, quoting here, it is hard to say how they would react to a human approaching them. But finding the monkeys was clearly an all-hands-on-deck situation because state troopers, the CDC, the Health Department, and Pennsylvania Game Commission were all involved, which made one resident very curious. He said, quoting here, we got bears, we have coyotes, we have deer doesn't scare me, but why are they co- so concerned about it is what concerns me. Another resident who saw the crash says she went to help the truck driver who told her he was hauling cats. She looked into a cage saying, hey, kitty, kitty, when a monkey popped up. The woman was then told by the CDC to monitor herself for any cold-like symptoms. The CDC also told her the monkeys would be monitored for 31 days, but when the missing monkeys were found, they were not monitored. They were killed though the CDC has not said why, and the CDC has not said what the lab they were heading to is actually researching, though the CDC did tell us the monkeys could transmit deadly viruses. A lot of questions in this. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. It just, it don't stop, baby. It just don't stop. They gonna run these fucking people ragged. They gonna run them fucking ragged. They gonna shoot <laughs> these people. Oh, they just—it's like the trifecta of, of bullshit. They got these people activated on violence, wild monkeys, still off this COVID shit. <laughs> 
Oh, but no, that's how your monkey pot. That's how. That's how one of the ways it got started, man. They they let that shit off in um in a particular place. When you go look on the map, I want y'all to go look up at the map of of that spot in in Pennsylvania, and you'll see what I'm talking about in its proximity to Massachusetts and New York. And it was by not was not by chance that those were where the first so-called cases came from. That is not by chance. That's all I'm saying. You know, purposely done, gain of function, same type shit. Same type shit. Right? No, but they don't give a fuck. Their job is to create as much hysteria and fucking distress as much as possible. Because at the end of the day, this is what they want to do. Twelve monkeys in there, right? <laughs> you you remember Twelve Monkeys? That's a a I mean, it's a hell of a show. They turned Twelve Monkeys into a television show. Good as fuck. Okay, I just want you to know that very good um, series. I watched it a couple years ago. Twelve Monkeys, very very good. But. They no doubt, Baruji. But, you know, I watch a lot of X-Files, you know. Yes, I, I do. It's very well known. But, you know, X-Files told it, you know, a couple of – but back in 2017 before any of this shit popped off. And um, I just want to play it for you. Because Pat O'Malley I got time to burn. Plans. Plans about Here we what? Go. You and everyone you know has a piece of DNA in your genome. Put there without your knowing it. Put there by whom? Well, that's the question of the day. This is an internet lunatic. You're not saying you believe him. Just hold on, Agent Einstein. You're talking to a scientist. Uh, forgive me, Assistant Director. It may sound insensitive, but the suggestion is pure science fiction. What I'm saying, Agent Einstein, is that the facts, as I understand them, cannot be discounted out of hand. No one has the right or the ability to tamper with your DNA. Unless we gave them that ability. By the addition of something to our DNA. Yes, but I don't know how exactly. How it's being triggered. I don't know that either. For why it's happening now. What can we possibly do? We need to act quickly. You were right about that. Well, I was wrong about the science. I was wrong about what's causing it. Dead wrong, in fact. It's, but it's clearly a widespread failure of our immune system. Through gene tampering. A virus within a virus that was put there through the smallpox vaccine. It's what these men are calling the Spartan virus. Now, what did they do? When this monkey shit popped, what's the first thing that Biden say? What's the first thing Biden said when this whole little monkey pot shit jumped off? He said, we have bought a surplus of smallpox vaccine and ready to distribute. I think he um, he fucked up the um, – I think he said it too early. I think he went off script, and he announced that a little too early because, you see, he ain't said shit about it since. He went out there and said that because I think, you know, because he's, he's old as fuck. So he – um. 
he he presented that solution a little bit before the shit start spreading, you know. You know, I mean, you you know how that, you know. He old as fuck. He, he was like, oh, I wasn't supposed to say it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I said it a little too early. I, I'll make sure I won't say anything about that again. I I'm, I I thought it was I I I I don't know what I thought, but uh, I fucked up. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> This <laughs> is here we go. What is the what he saying though? But check it out. He said it's spread through the smallpox vaccine. But I'm gonna give you the quote. I'm gonna give you the old fuckers quote. Joe, stop. Who Biden? Joe Biden on smallpox vaccine. Small pop. Move, fool. Hold on, yeah. Small pop. Yes. That's what he did. He gave, put the, he took the, he let the cat out the bag a little too soon, Osho. That's what the old man did. Here we go. We're by to say. Here we go. Okay, this came out on two weeks ago, May twenty second. Okay, this May twenty second, y'all. Hold on. I don't know if we're gonna hear it. Your level of concern should be about monkeypox in the cases that are in the United States and around the world. Well, they haven't told me the level of exposure yet, but it is something that everybody should be concerned about. We're working on it hard to figure out what we do and what uh, vaccine, if any, may be available for. But it is a concern in the sense that if it were to spread, it's consequential. That's all they've told us. Hold on. Mr. President, quick question. What have your health advisors told you your level of concern should be about monkeypox in the cases that are in the United States and around the world? Well, they haven't told me the level of exposure yet, but it is something that everybody should be concerned about. We're working on it hard to figure out what we do and what uh, vaccine, if any, may be available for us. He said we're working on it hard. How you working on it hard when they supposedly ain't even told you? He just said that they ain't tell him. The, the level of exposure. So how y'all working on it hard when you don't know shit, sir? But you're supposed to be the commander-in-chief, which we know you ain't, which we know you ain't. But I'm going to tell you what he said about the um, – let me tell you how bad he let the cat out the bag too quickly. They fact-checked him, okay? Now, you know damn well fact-checks has really gone away since – Trump been gone. They ain't been fact-checking shit on Joe Biden since he's been in office, okay? When when Trump was the president, when Trump was talking his shit, they would literally do live, side-by-side, live during his, anytime he opened his mouth, fact-check. Jay Wan, live fucking fact-check 
as he was speaking, side by side screen shit. I used to watch it on 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 Facebook, and like, what kind of shit is this? I've never seen anything like this in my life. And magically, when that old man came, took office, all that shit went away. But see, he let the cat out the bag so early on this vaccine shit, the smallpox vaccine that they went and fact-checked him on that and said, no, we really don't have no surplus. I, I, I don't know what he was talking about. We don't, that, was he, that was false. But which one is it, sir? Either y'all got it and y'all been working on it or you don't have it at all. Well, we know they got it because I remember, um, shit, I remember a couple of years ago when Don had that um, article talking about when them people went to that fucking warehouse and they found that vial, the smallpox vaccine. They had the shit in the vials. So we know they got it. We we know they got it. Okay. Okay. So, you see what I'm saying? And here it is. Here's the quote. Because he said this on the plane. See, he, he, he fucked up. He was coming from, he was getting off the plane in Korea. And he said, mm, what did he say? Mm, hold on. What did he say about this shit? Mm, he said, I don't think, um, I don't think it rises at a level of concern as COVID. What did he say? I'm trying to see what he, see, they covering up his tracks on what he said on that vaccine. You see how they try to erase shit? Ain't no Mandela effect going on. I heard him say we got surplus. See, they try to man- Mandela affect me on this one. I know he said that shit. That we got plenty. He said we got surplus. That's what he said. That's what that's what Joe said. He said the World Health Organization on Friday said that it will be stepping up efforts to understand and combat the virus. What you mean, you you you? Monkey pox has been around forever. But remember, they brought the monkeys in from Africa. Where they say this shit originated in, I'm just saying, it's, you know, we heard this story before, but it come from Central Africa. This happened that some monkeys was being transported from Africa by way of New York into Pennsylvania, and the first two cases popped up in New York in Massachusetts, which is right on the border of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He said, Biden has said officials were working hard. I figure out what we do, uh, what we do. Uh, he said, I to figure out what we do and what vaccine is available, which is a smallpox vaccine. But we're going to let Scully tell it again because they was giving out the whole shebang back in 2017 and um, letting it be known what they were doing. Okay, so let me get back to that. It's only the greatest show ever created. I just, did I fucking close it on accident? Oh, snap. Oh, here we go. Of our immune system. Through gene tampering. A virus within a virus that was put there through the smallpox vaccine. It's what these men are calling the Spartan virus. We have to figure this out. What's wrong with the science? Okay. The Spartan virus removes the adenosine deaminase gene from your DNA. It removes the ADA gene and your immune system will simply vanish. Yeah, but I'm not getting sick. It's only a matter of time. 
okay? So how does it work? How does the virus remove the ADAD? It's a process called CRISPR-Cas9, RNA and a protein cutting genes at exact location. Exactly, but in this instance, used as a weapon. The ultimate weapon. I, I just love how they just can tell you right there in your face, you know. Just, I just love that. Look at this tell you right there in your face, the removal of a gene, CRISPR technology. She's just going to destroy your immune system. Got to love Hollywood. But again, like I said, man, Hollywood get all that shit from the Department of Justice. When you look at the – people don't read credits no more. I still read credits on TV shows and, and movies. I watch credits. Always like the credits. I always like to see who's involved and shit like that. And when you read the credits and you watch the credits roll, always at the end, literally the last parts when they show, um, when they be thanking the cities and towns where they film, they always, that's where you get to see, and we thank the Department of Justice, or we thank the Department of Defense, or we thank the Pentagon. They get all their shit straight from the source. But they know people won't believe it because it's on television because it's it's a uh, fictional uh, TV show. The ability to depopulate the planet, to kill everyone but the chosen by tampering with their DNA through gene editing. Why do such a thing and lie about it? Our own government. Your own government lies as a matter of course, as a matter of policy. The Tuskegee experiments on black men in the 30s, Henrietta Lacks. What are they trying to do? That's the missing piece. But it's not hard to imagine a government hiding, hoarding technology for 70 years at the expense of human life and the future of the planet. Driven not only by corporate greed, but a darker objective. The takeover of America. And then the world itself, by any means necessary, however violent or cruel or efficient, by severe drought brought on by weather wars, conducted secretly using aerial contaminants and high-altitude electromagnetic waves. In a state of... That's your, that's your climate change. They're bringing climate change on by way of technology. Don't believe them when they talk about uh, the, the planet heating up and all that shit. Man, Mother Nature's always changed. This planet is always in a constant change. Nothing ever stays the same. There's one thing that's constant in the universe, and that's changed. Even her planets change, evolve, revolve, grow, warm, cool. It is the evolution of change on the planet. It is a living, breathing entity. But they're going to create this bullshit, okay? Because we know they modified. We've we been, we been knew that. We always knew it. We knew it for years that they modified the weather. But this is how they bring on serious droughts and or floods and natural disasters to then bring in the continuation of the agenda to reshape, reorganize, and restructure the world and how the world interacts with one another. Come on, man. The WHO just um a couple of weeks ago talking about they want they they need law enforcement. WHO is a fucking a medical gathering 
of information body of recommendations of shit around the world. They said they want enforcement. They want to be an enfor- they want an enforcement branch of the WHO. Okay? This is why Trump pulled out of that shit. So they go ahead and move him out the way. They go ahead and all that shit, the Abraham Accords, they try to get rid of that. They went back in with the Iran deal, um, the Paris Accord Treaty, right back into this shit, right back into it, because you have to have America on board. None of this shit goes to plan if America does not buckle, if she does not fall, if she's not the centerpiece of it all. All right? So... Let's keep going. Brought on by weather wars, conducted secretly using aerial contaminants and high-altitude electromagnetic waves in a state of perpetual war to create problem, reaction, solution scenarios to distract, enrage, and enslave American citizens at home with tools like the Patriot Act and the National Defense Authorization Act, which abridge the Constitution in the name of national security. The militarization of police forces in cities across the U.S., the building of prison camps by the Federal Emergency Management Agency with no stated purpose. The corporate takeover of food and agriculture, pharmaceuticals and healthcare, even the military in clandestine agendas to fatten, dull, sicken, and control a populace already consumed by consumerism. And I encourage you all to go shopping more. A government that taps your phone, collects your data, and monitors your whereabouts with impunity. A government preparing to use that data against you when it strikes. And the final takeover begins takeover of America. By a well-oiled and well-armed multinational group of elites that will cull, kill, and subjugate. Happening as we sit here. It's happening all around us. The other shoe waiting to drop. It'll probably start on a Friday. The banks will announce a security action necessitating their computers to go offline all weekend. Digital money will disappear. They can just steal your money? Followed by the detonation of strategic electromagnetic pulse bombs to knock out major grids. What will seem like an attack on America by terrorists or Russia. An invasion of the U.S. The Russians tried it in 47. They can just steal your money? What? By the Russians. The terrorists, the Russians, the Russians. We got to fight Russia. We got to fight the Russians. <laughs> man, I love that show, man. We finished that at the end. That shit playing out right before our eyes. You got to love it. Followed by the detonation of strategic electromagnetic pulse bombs to knock out major grids. What will seem like an attack on America by terrorists or Russia. An invasion of the U.S. The Russians tried it in 47. <laughs> I know they ain't gonna make no more episodes of, of fucking X Files. It's over forever, but you know. Yeah, but that's it, man. Let's get. I, I I haven't even gotten into a um silent weapon for a quiet war. I have, ooh, I had a hand up. I didn't even see it. Damn, G. I don't know how long you've been holding, brother G. You probably been holding for like ever. It was my first time looking at the switchboard. You there, G? G probably went to sleep and shit. Like, she ain't going to bring me on. His hand, yeah, he ain't saying nothing. I probably, he probably, 
Jay won his father. His hand probably been up for an hour or so. This is my first time looking at the switchboard in a minute. Oh, it was 17 minutes left. I'm sorry, G, if you can hear me. <laughs> my bad. Um, let me give you this real quick. I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, silent weapons for a quiet war because this fits right in. More silent weapons for a quiet war. And this is, um, I think we did that when we did the economic model, didn't we? Mm. I think so, but I'm going to reread it anyway, this right here. Um, So economics as a social energy science has a first objective, the description of the complex complex way in which any given unit of uh, resources is used to satisfy some economic wants. The Matrix. Yeah, we read that part. I remember that. Oh, because I remember that. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let's get into industrial diagrams. That's where we go. Gee, if you can hear me, come on in. Um, I don't know. Just hop on in there if you uh, the mic's open. Uh, it says, an ideal industry is defined as a device an ideal industry is defined as a device which receives value from other industries in several forms and converts it into a specific product for sales and distribution to other industries. It has several inputs and um, outputs. What the public, uh, what the public normally thinks of as an industry is really an industrial complex where several industries under one roof produce one or more products. And we've seen that with the um, with the baby food, right? How can one so-called company, Abbott, which is a pharmaceutical company, how many of y'all, how many of y'all know that, uh, that um, Abbott is a pharmaceutical company? Did y'all know that? Did y'all know Abbott is a pharmaceutical company? I just happened to find out who they was because um, Abbott. I happen I I happen to find out that there was a pharmaceutical company because I had wrote this post on LinkedIn, right? I wrote this post about um, government and um, some of the policies that were bad, and I was getting a lot of these hits from Abbott Industries, and I'm like, who the what the fuck? I'm like, why is someone from a pharmaceutical company reading my shit? But then I started to look at Abbott and all the products they produced. So again. Like they're speaking right here, what is a industry is, but yet it's made to look fragmented, but in fact it's not because it's, it's hella other companies that make fucking uh, that make baby food, that make formula. There's a whole bunch of companies, but they're all under one umbrella. You see, it says what is um it said what the public normally thinks of as one industry is really an industrial complex where several industries under one roof produce one or more products, right? This is how they do it with media, right? It was supposed to be clean. It is. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, They do that with media, Viacom, CBS, um, and a whole bunch of other... um, that be on um, 
that are subsidiaries. Nigga, LinkedIn is where you get money at, motherfuckers. <clears throat> if you ain't on there to make no money, ain't no need to be on it. It's a, it's a, it's a people, but a professional platform. It's business to business platform. It's, it's not like all the others, for sure. I'll tell you that. Said a pure single output industry can be represented over, over simply by the circuit block as follows. Uh, it's a diagram. Uh, diagram, diagram. Um, industries fall into three categories or classes by type of output. Capital, resources, goods, commodities, and or this to something. And three, services, actions of population. Class one, industries exist at three levels. Nature, sources of energy and raw materials. Two, government, printing, currency, equal to gross national product and extensions of currency in um, excess of GP. Number three, banking, lending of money for interest and extensions, counterfeiting, counterfeiting now of economic value through deposit loan accounts, inflation. So we're witnessing right now, right? Because the overprinting of money, and don't think that the printing of money just started with this um, COVID shit. They've been printing money. They've been printing money like crazy since Obama, really since Obama took over in two thousand and eight. They've been printing money. See all these presidents, though. Real talk, they all in they all in line with each other. We know that they they are part of a bloodline. So their their job is to continue the the actual agenda. Is to keep that shit going. So like I said, all that quantitative easing, printing of money by the feds started during the Obama administration. Number two, industries exist as producers of tangible or consumer dissipated products. This sort of activity is usually recognized and labeled by the public as a industry. Number three, industries are those which have service rather than tangible products as their output. These industries are called households and or governments. Their output is human activity for a mechanical sort, and their um, basis is population, aggregation. The whole economic system can be represented by three Industry models, um, if one allows, what is that, the names of the outputs to be one capital, two goods and service, two goods, three services. The problem with this representation is that it would not show the influence of, say, the textile industry on the ferrous metal industry. This is because both the textile industry and the ferrous metal industry would be contained, what is that? contained with a single classification called the goods industry. And by, the, by this process, combining or aggregating um, these two industries under one system block, they will lose their economic individuality. That's happening. That's what they're trying to do right now. That's what they're trying to do right now with um, the energy, the energy situation. Okay. That's what they're doing with energy. 
And again, what Biden just did recently, he took off tariffs when it comes to solar panel production with China. And so to circumvent the actual tariffs, China was sending the parts that you need to make solar panels to other third world Southeast Asian countries like Vietnam and Laos. So that's what they did. So they, they sent it to Laos. They sent it to Vietnam. And so by them concentrating all, all the production in one place, this is why America can't make shit. This is why they don't make anything. Right? This is why they, they're kind of priced out of the market, so to speak. Right? Here we go. It says the E model. A national, a national economy consists of simultaneous flows of production, distribution, consumption, and investment. If all these elements, including labor and human functions, are assigned a numerical value and like units of measure, say $19.39, then this flow can be further represented by a, what it says, by a current flow in, in an electrical circuit. And its behavior can be predicted and manipulated by useful, can be manipulated with Useful precision. You see that manipulation of a market. Of course, we know they do it, right? It says the three ideal energy components of electronics, the capacitor and the resistor, and the inductor correspond to the three ideal passive energy components of economics called the pure industries of capital, goods, service, and services. Economic uh, capacitance represents the storage of capital in one form or another. The um, economic conductance represents the level of um, conductance of materials from the production of goods. Economic inductance represents the uh, inertia of economic value in motion. This is a population phenomenon known as services. So they, uh, okay. I want to get to something. This is that part is kind of boring, mm. but I know they're leading up to something though. It really just let me let me paraphrase. It they're just showing how they got monopolies on industry and they can monop- manipulate it at any time to break it down, blow it up, and create havoc. And that's what they do: artificial, um, artificial fucking. Um, what is that called? I can't think right now. Artificial uh, depressions, like they're doing right now, but they're getting ready to do. It's already started, to be honest with you. Okay. Because they say that the job market is, employment is low, vacancies are high, but you don't have enough people to fill the actual jobs. Right, so when you have that, you don't have people buying. That puts a strain on the economy. The economy retract, um, contracts. Then they start massive layoffs, right? Which they've already started doing in some tech spaces. I've seen it was about a thousand or something layoffs for one company. It's already started, but it's all artificially created. We know that. That's the point. That's the point that we started to show off with. 
when it comes to gas prices, energy, food, it's all done purposely. None of this is natural occurrence because that's what they're showing, telling us in this silent weapon, silent, silent weapons for a quiet war is showing this whole economic model shit is just showing how they can manipulate the, the entire market, basically, at the end of the day. So I got a couple of minutes left, man. I'm getting ready to roll up out of here. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed tonight's show. <laughs> I hope y'all enjoyed tonight's show. Um, I'll get into that a little bit um, more, but I think next week what I, I like to do, though, um, what you say, Brian? Oh, now we can go straight. Right. right. No thought you didn't. Um, next week what I like to do is um, kind of go over parts of the World Economic Forum, you know, because ain't nobody, they we're not going to get that kind of information from no other people unless we do the work ourselves on what they were actually talking about, the agenda that was being thrown down up there because, you you know, we got to pay attention to uh what they what they saying just so we can always be on guard. You know what I'm saying? You got like I said, you got you got to make it our business to know know what they're doing, what the plan is because they ain't even got to hide it no more, Oshun. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it used to be like real covert, and they used to like huddle up in their little um, Bilderberg groups and all this shit and um, the Jason Society. They ain't even got to do that no more. They know people are so gone. People are so heavily entrenched in their technology and their phones and, and now about to be the metaverse that people don't pay attention. They know it. They say the average now attention span has gone from five seconds, five to six seconds to three. That's That's wild. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but eh. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna say it's true. So they know people don't, you know, don't take the time to sit and be still, meditate, clear their minds. So if they can't do that, how the fuck they're gonna take the time to actually understand and see what people are actually plotting and planning right in their faces? Matter of fact, let me play this before we roll up out of here because. Uh, one of my favorite little researchers out here is um, Glenn Beck. I think he does a really, really good job. He does. He does a really good job when it comes to uh, him and this little team when it comes to research. Um, let me give you this. Um, let me give you this. I think I seen this the other day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let me give you this. Hold on, here we go. I want to talk to you about a growing fascistic movement with actual teeth attached to it. This isn't like, oh, he's a fascist. I will show you what they're doing uh, that is literally fascistic in nature, literally uh, by the actual dictionary definition of the word. Hey, Ethereum, here you go about the solar panels. Here you go. Check it out, Ethereum. Fascism. Um, let me start with this. If we were building nuclear power plants and we were encouraging hydrogen use for our automobiles, 
I would be so deep into it. It, it, I, it is the answer. Between nuclear power, which is the cleanest and safest form of energy the world has ever seen. Stu, can you back that up? The safest form of energy in the history of the world. Yes, I agree with that analysis. Okay, thank you for those the stats. Um, the, <laughs> you just said it was the safest. Color man. He's a good he, color. Yes, yes, Glenn, I, confirmed I number well, one I, on the list. I, I don't know what stat you want to okay. vote. <laughs> number one. Is no, because I know you're into these things. Yeah, no, no, I know you're into these things, and I know that you, uh, you know, that you have looked through the history. Everybody thinks cars. It would be a miracle. It would be a miracle. It would be everything we're looking for. Good for the planet, safe, effective, and we could move on with our lives. We would be world leaders, again, in almost everything if we just did that. But that's not what we're doing. Instead, we are doing solar panels and wind power. Let me tell you about solar panels. If solar panels were something that would work, I'd be all for solar panels. I am your this broadcast is being powered now by solar, wind and uh natural gas. Natural gas only if we get into trouble and we don't have enough power for the broadcast. But it has taken me 11 very long and expensive years to get the solar panel system up and hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is not something the average American or the average company can do. I'd love to have the Blaze be the first green uh, network that was all solar energy and wind power, but it's impossible to do. It's too expensive and it's not reliable. I can't tell you how, if you are listening to this broadcast today, you're hearing delays. And the reason why you're hearing delays is I don't have internet. I am here um, on an isolated kind of mountaintop, and I don't have all of the electricity, all of everything coming in. I have to create everything myself. So, well, this ain't what the this ain't the one I thought it was. Hold on. Mm, wait a minute. Maybe I'll play it next week. I think I had the wrong one. Yep. Oh well, but that took me to the one that took us to ten, eleven, twelve, one o'clock hour. I played the wrong shit. My bad, y'all. I thought I had um when he talked about specifically about the uh, China situation uh, with the solar panels. But anyway, that's because, like I said, old Joe quietly um signed the fucking bill that um gonna have all that Chinese import imports back in um right back in this country. That's the point. So, um, yeah. He you know, he back to selling out America's uh economy to China. So I think uh people should learn some Mandarin. Ni hao. Learn some ni hao. Go watch the cartoon Kailan, Ni Hao Kailan and um Shishi. And you know Shishi and um we'll be all right. Okay, so until then 
We'll see y'all uh, next Wednesday on Hot Damn Politics. You know what it is, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, the Donna Coleone Show. Gets it up and popping. So with that, I'll see y'all next week. Hot Damn Politics, we out. Peace. Uh-oh, I can't get no real nigga radio.